Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe, and this week we have the mighty entrepreneurial powerhouse, Chris Doe, who is the CEO and founder of the studio Blind, and he also runs the show, The Future and The Process. We have Chris back on the show by popular demand to touch base on some of the topics and ideas we left out from the last episode. Chris and I jump right into discussing his many new ventures, how he manages it all, and where he currently is in life. This episode is brought to you by Learn Squared. As you know, Learn Squared is an online art education platform that is founded and powered by industry-leading artists from around the world. The key feature to Learn Squared comes from our community and the ability to connect directly with those that you admire and learn applicable and usable knowledge by those that are leading their way in their particular professional field. If you are interested in sharpening a particular part of your creative ability or simply curious to see how others work and problem solve, head over to LearnSquared.com and begin your journey. Had an amazing time getting to know Chris a bit more on this episode, and I can't wait to share it with you all. So here we go, everyone. Episode 160. Let's roll. This is kind of cool because once we did our first one, then we did one, I did one with your podcast and now we're doing round two. There, there's been a, a strong demand. I think you and I and our voice is really aligned in our, in our thought process. And even though we disagree on certain things, I think it's really interesting because we create some really interesting conundrum conversations. And so for all of those people out there who are like, we want more, uh, here you go. And here I'm really go. excited for this because I've been, <laughs> I mean, um, to be completely honest before the motionographer thing, I was only aware of you through the studio that you're running, you know, blind and, mm-hmm. and just a little bit, you know, to be honest, I, I kind of just keep to myself. Um, I love sites like motionographer and all those kind of things, but I find myself, um, not like anything bad. I just, I just don't pay attention much to things like that. I just kind of go in my own little pocket, my own bubble. Um, I think it's probably cause I'm cognizant of avoiding as much trends as possible. And, um, again, not speaking anything bad about it, but other than that, it was um, it was just that motionographer article and knowing that you ran that studio. And now I've kind of gotten a little obsessed with like watching your videos on YouTube, <laughs> got to be honest. Like, I'm like, wow, you're incredibly transparent. Um, you're very well spoken. I can tell you're trying to like, well, I can see you're being prolific, not trying. You are literally being prolific. Um, and I'm like, man, I'm just kind of blown away. I'm becoming slowly, but surely becoming a really solid fan and an admirer. You know, I sent you a text oh, message the nice. week. I was like, man, I'm really admiring what you're putting out there. Cause it takes a lot of effort and energy. I'm not sure if people are aware, but you're putting out so much content and it's a lot of content that, um, people would ne- normally pay, you know, decent amount of cash for the amount right. of content you're putting out there. Um, so thank you. Thank you for, and then also thank you for coming on the show. Um, sharing time with me. I, I cherish it. I'm really excited to meet you in person at Comic-Con next week. I think that is going to be epic. Yeah, man. I'm looking <laughs> forward to it. I think that if the, the universe is going to implode on itself, just too much Ash and Chris going on. So man, one spot. <laughs> so it'll be nerdgasms everywhere. I wasn't really aware that you were really into superheroes until I watched that one podcast you did live and I saw your office. I was like, wow, this is like the same office as me. <laughs> oh yeah. But, yeah. Where did it come from? Where did all like, I didn't know you're in big into like superheroes and stuff. Yeah. I think you and I, we may have some shared DNA, yeah. even though we're slightly different in age and all that stuff. Yeah. And I'm why, not why? Vietnamese, but I could, be, I, could, <laughs> I could be Vietnamese. I love, I love, I love the culture. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I think the reason why I'm in graphic design is because I'm a failed comic book artist. 
Are you sure? First, Are you serious? Yeah, that's because that's what totally. I told you. Totally, man. Hmm. That's what, yeah, when we were talking about that, I'm like, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> and I was into skateboarding and I was really into comic books, right? And those yeah. are my foray into the world of graphic design. Hmm. About comic books specifically, I remember there's a very clear, vivid moment in, in my mind. And I remember I was at a Long's Drugs, which is probably CVS of today. Yeah. And I was walking by this carousel and the carousel was one of those ones where they had comic books on the rack. And I, I think back then the comic books were like 50 or 60 cents. Yeah. And I picked up a copy of the Avengers. I'm, I'm thinking it's the Avengers. Uh, and the reason why I picked it was it had the most amount of characters. Instead of picking up Spider-Man or Thor or something else, I was like, wow, what is this all about? Yeah. And I picked it up and I asked my mom, mom, can, can we buy this copy? And she's like, sure. And I, I, I got to tell you, I don't know how many times I read that same comic book. Now, in, in the universe of comic books, you kind of need to read more than just one book to kind of figure it out. So I'm inserted into a story, which I don't truly understand. I don't know who all these characters are. I remember Hawkeye was in it. So I, I think it was Avengers. It might have been the West Coast Avengers. But that was like this explosion of stuff happening. And I got to tell you, Everything about the comic book, I loved. Hmm. I loved the lettering, yeah. the, the cheap newsprint paper that used to be printed on, the <laughs> yeah. crappy coloring, you know, how they were doing it via um, zip tones or whatever those things are called, the yeah. overlays. I think it was zip tone, yeah. zip tone yeah, yeah, something like that. And I even loved the ads in the back for the sea monkeys and x-ray vision glasses. There was <laughs> nothing not to love. And Stan Lee in the beginning saying Excelsior fans or whatever he was yeah. going to say. What amazing so spokesperson he, he was, man. Damn. Right. Such right. an exquisite writer. But like mm-hmm. he was on that Carl Sagan tip where he would take really kind of out there ideas and bring them down to the modern man, the common man, you know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that was like, you know, that's it. I'm going to become a comic book artist. Mm. And I, I was really seriously thinking about this up until the point in which I was about to graduate high school. I was making my plan to go to the Joe Kubert School of oh, Comic wow. Book Arts. It was yeah, a legitimate and, serious thing then. Okay. Yeah, it's a legitimate thing. Until my uncle told me, that's crazy, you never do that again. And I was like, oh, man, Here's he just uncle. killed the dream. But <laughs> Are you still close I, to this uncle? I am. Awesome. I am, and that's totally cool. And yeah. he might have done me the biggest favor ever sure. because I struggled drawing hands and feet and you know, not learning anything about anatomy. But when I went to Art Center, I really gravitated towards figure drawing. And mm-hmm. all those doodles and sketches that I had done before yeah. really helped me as a graphic artist because I had an edge on people who didn't have any hand skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that definitely does help. And it does pay dividends uh, in the end, too. There's this, um, when you mentioned that, there's this documentary, people probably tired of me talking about it on this show, but it's one of my favorites because it's has to do with a lot of stuff that I came from. Um, mainly being influenced by uh, Todd McFarlane. There's this there's this documentary. If you've never seen it, I'll send it to you after. It's called The Devil You Know. Mm-hmm. Have I you seen, seen it? it. Oh, you're gonna but love I know it. Todd McFarlane for sure. Oh yeah, of course you do. I mean, if you're if you're if you're anywhere remotely aware of comics and their impact on society, you know the name <laughs> Todd McFarlane. And the what I'll give you a, a basic um, rundown of it was, um, without spoiling too much. But he was saying that. When he first started learning how to do comics, he was, you know, not good like any of us. You know, when you started, it's a very complex thing. You got to be able to, you got to be the cameraman. You got to be the the colorist. You got to understand composition and storytelling and pacing and all of it. You're basically everything on a movie set. It's you all coming through from your mind to your hand. 
And so what he would do is he would say, okay, to this month I'm focusing on hands, you know, and he's like, I keep doing hands and hands and look at uh, all the artists. And he'd go, this week I'm focusing on the, like the right arm and he'd draw, 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 draw. This one's like the other arm, you know, and then he would bake, he would basically broke down each part of the body until he became obsessed with it. And then he strung it all together. And that's kind of what developed his style. And he would say that he was, he wasn't inspired by the best. He was inspired by some of the worst because that was what taught him that he could be better. You know, and I thought that was really interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it was yeah. his his whole outlook. And I think you're really going to enjoy it because he was like, it it, it, it really gets into some really interesting areas because it follows him all the way from the beginning of his era, like where he was drawing out of like a trailer park and he started slowly getting his rise. And then he was, you know, hit the cream of the crop where he was doing Spider-Man for Marvel, which is the top, you know, that's the major league. And then he quit that to go off on his own to make Spawn, you know, and the big right. risk that he did. And then it went into like the snowballed into him, like making this multi-billion dollar, like, or I don't know, billion, multi-million dollar um, corporation. And then he kind of got obsessed with like weird things. Like um, I think uh, one of those like home run baseballs, uh, I forget the guy's name. People are probably screaming at me right now. I'm not a baseball I know what you're fan. talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mark McGuire's, uh, he spent like $4 million. You'll see it. It's really interesting, but it's like the demise if you watch out for your ego and stuff. There's a lot of interesting lessons to learn from that. So, mm. but um, have you met him before? I have not. I've mm. seen it. I've seen him many times at Comic Con. But yeah. back in the '90s, when the Image Comics was like dominating the scene, mm-hmm. uh, the the moms of people that surrounded these writers and artists were crazy. It's different today, but back yeah. then it was bananas. The line to see Todd McFarlane was out the door and back around the con. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty awesome. I mean, it's interesting, though, trends that come through. How long have you been going to Comic-Con? Um, I want to say I was going to Comic-Con when I was still at Art Center, so that was in the 90s, mm. early 90s. It's yeah, changed a lot, huh? Tremendously, but, <laughs> you know, there's the diehard comic book fans that yeah. say, you know, we want our con back, but as a true fan myself, I just love that comics now, I think, are secure in their financial future. Yeah. I love seeing the translations into feature films. Yeah. And it's the content we've always wanted. And it took a long time for Marvel to make their own films because they had sold off their properties or at least licensed them to other studios. And they did a horrible job. Yeah. They basically made cartoons for adults, which made no sense. The, the source material is way more sophisticated and nuanced. Yeah. And finally, when Marvel was able to do their own movies, the world got to see what a true comic book movie was like. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, I, I'm on the fence with it. There's some mm-hmm. of them that I enjoy and some that I don't. I, I, I'm i such a, such a picky guy with films. I just dis- destroy them in my head every time I watch them. It's because yeah. I expect the best. It's, a, it's kind of a bad thing. I can't really enjoy them. I mean, to be completely honest, though, I do love a great film. I'll sit there and if you transport me, I'll go into it and I'll, I'll really enter it properly. But um, I think th- I watched uh, the recent one. I don't know if this is a Marvel movie, but I watched Logan. I enjoyed that. That was pretty yeah. cool. I thought it was pretty mm-hmm. brutal and it had some really interesting things. But um, is there a recent one that you've really enjoyed? Is Guardians of the Galaxy, is that Marvel movie too? It is, yeah, right? it's Marvel. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Guardians fun, of huh? the Galaxy is them pulling out some obscure characters that I never even knew existed. Yeah. And just proving to everybody they can still make a great film. It doesn't even matter. Yeah, yeah. I think there were parts of Doctor Strange that I enjoyed a lot, but it wasn't a perfect film. No, I no. Think yeah. Most of them that were produced rushed. by Marvel are pretty good. Yeah. The ones that are like 20th Century Fox or Universal or whoever else made these films, they kind of suck for the most part. Like all the X-Men movies, in my opinion, sucked. Yeah. Uh, 
X Men One started out fine, and then it just first class was good. I enjoyed first, yeah, first class. class there, there are some good parts to it for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. It's so difficult to make these films. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't. Um, I mean, if somebody, I mean, you'd probably take the opportunity, I imagine, because you, you know, you seem to be very adventurous. Somebody came to you and said, "Hey, we want you to direct the next X Men." Would you sign up to do that? Hundred percent, without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. Yes, yeah. but maybe not X Men. Like I'm a big fan of the Hulk. Okay, uh, I believe uh, that there's something very fascinating about the Hulk as this kind of manifestation of a split personality. Yeah, fused into one person, and I think Doctor Heckle really, died. yeah. Exactly. The books do a really good job of him just trying to control the demon. Yeah. And like all films, I think when you let the demon out, it's a great visceral experience. Yeah. And now it's like he's hulked out the whole time. Yeah, it's, it's just it's too much. It's not balanced well. I think Edward Norton tried to make it and it blew up because um, the studio got in the way. And, and I think Edward's a, a, he's an artist, I think. And I think he was trying to make a, a legitimate Hulk film. Mm-hmm. Then it, it just turned into a big giant mess. I think the only thing I really enjoyed about that was what Kyle Cooper and the, the amazing team at Prologue had put together for that title sequence. It was just super good. You remember mm-hmm. that one? I don't remember the sequence. Oh, it's beautiful. It's really well mm-hmm. done. It's got like ties together with like all these interesting photographs of damaged things, you know, that um, damaged like items and then sewn together with like um, maps and, and wire and, and all that stuff, you know, very Kyle Cooper-esque, very kinetic and um, mm. the energy of the edits very fast and, and sharp and all this stuff happens. It's really cool. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I, so if you had a choice, that would be it. It would be Hulk. Yeah, I would do the Hulk. And I love the run that John Romita Jr. did on it. And I forget who the writer was, but there was a whole sequence with uh, Mr. Blue and Mr. Green. Mm. I thought that was wonderful. And I like him kind of being on the run, being oppressed. Mm. Just He just wants to be left alone. And society yeah. won't leave him alone for a number of reasons, right? Because he's this threat. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really, it's kind of like Rambo. Rambo has that same kind of story arc mm-hmm. right he's just like a a guy who just wants to be left alone he wants to go and live on his farm and just and then he just keeps getting pulled into people's drama because they suck and they can't handle that he's such a boss you know so right it's pretty similar and that's a, a pretty common story arc and you talk about like um you know uh, that multi uh that that kind of like hiding the demon within have you seen uh this movie is kind of crazy and wild but i i enjoyed it as a kid i really loved it and i still to this day i, I get a kick out of it it's a um, um lee of extraordinary gentlemen i believe it's in yeah i've one. seen that yeah. i didn't love that film but it had a lot of potential had a lot of interesting things going on there i loved like yeah. the idea of dr nemo you know like this like um some of them were just like kind of like that bruce wayne where it's just really ultra smart intelligent kind of sophisticated um superhero kind of characters one movie right. i actually watched the other night that i hadn't watched in a long time because i kind of wrote this director off as m night Shyamalan's uh um unbreakable have you seen I that? Loved unbreakable yeah that yeah. was really surprised i was like man yeah i haven't seen this in so long i was i was this the 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 shooting the editing the pacing the way that they were he was building the characters and how mundane but like simplified but also like extraordinary it was interesting he was right on that line of just this superhero but you know he finds his powers by like lifting weights in his in his basement you know spoiler alert for anybody hasn't seen it but i just love that i thought that was so ordinary but so special too and it was really that newspaper scene with his son was really great too oh oh my god so good it's so good yeah and i was really i was really blown away that's to me is a very smart not over the top um, superhero film. I've always wanted to do 
Punisher. I think Punisher is another character that hasn't been represented properly with film. Mm -hmm. And I just do it very almost like a, have you seen true detectives? Yes, of course. Yeah. So, so kind of like that, very dark, mm -hmm. um, mature. So if you're out there and you have that, <laughs> you want to see me do it, you get me on there. I'll do, I'll make an amazing Punisher. Cause that'd, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Is it so, so maybe there has to be a petition going around somewhere to get Ash to direct the Punisher film. I would love that. Um, my goal is to hopefully get more into doing these things. And I really feel strongly connected to these things. And I feel like I could put up a good fight to create the content that I think is worthy of, of an audience. I, th I feel a lot of times, um, people just use the name, you know, but I think I, I do you feel like audiences are getting smarter. I really do feel they are, especially if they're watching content that you're putting out constantly and other people like yourself on YouTube, just like throwing out crazy amounts of information. Do you feel like the audience is getting smarter? I think they are. And I think studios or people who are making films need to recognize that they're speaking down to their audience. And when they speak at their level, they get rewarded for it. I think so, too. I think um, it was uh, George Lois. I think he said, if you think your audience is dumb, you're going to end up doing dumb work your whole life. You know, and I love that. Have you ever read his book? Um, I'm sure you have. Damn good advice for people with talent. I have not read that book. Oh, man. I have it. I have it sitting behind me. It's I think amazing. I actually own two copies of it. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, it's, I mean, this is kind of gross, but it's like great toilet book. <laughs> not in a bad way. It's just like, there's these little nuggets. It's like page by page and you just turn the page, boom, it's like a nugget of thought and you just put it in there and go, okay, awesome. And there's just so many little awesome quotes and things to think about and chew on, you know, and he really was ahead of his time and a lot of the things and the way he was approaching his way of communicating, I thought was really interesting. So, mm. so that's really interesting. So, you know, we're kind of on this weird same thing where we're, you know, I think that's probably a lot of people that go to Comic-Con too. They're like, damn, I failed comic artist, but I love it so much. I need to have it around me, you know? <laughs> right. Um, so, I mean, we already kind of talked a little bit about the past and uh, my goal with the last episode is to really personify you because I felt like, you know, people might've judged you harshly and quickly, which I mm -hmm. totally get because you were, you were, you threw a fireball out there. And, and that's you, fair. Yeah. Totally fair. Which is good. And I admire yeah. you for that. Cause I was watching some more of your episodes and you're like, um, I think it was the one about posting on social media, which I found to be incredibly useful and very, cause I'm starting to ramp myself up and get ready to kind of share more stuff and be more dynamic online and stuff. And I found it was really resourceful and having, I forget the name of your guest. She's really Melinda. nice. Yeah. Yes. She was great. And I think it was a very, I think it was a great case study to have her on there because you guys are balancing things back and she's explaining her fears and you're, I love the way you, you smirk when you take notes down <laughs> and you're just, you have the answers that you're trying to figure out with her and stuff. I thought that was really great. Um, but this whole, this whole thing that you're putting out there, I think is really awesome. And the way that you're putting it out there is really cool. And what I'm talking about is, uh, Chris, Chris is the future F U T U R it's, um, his YouTube channel subscribe to it it's awesome it's got a ton of content um i watched the one with kira obviously as well um, which is really beneficial um do you think that um i'm gonna bounce around a lot here i apologize but do you think that by putting out all this information um that you're lowering your value or do you think that you're becoming an authority and by releasing and sharing that it actually makes you a better person and creates more value more of an authority what do you think of that thanks for asking that question I, I'm trying to break that question down into multiple parts or it's deceptively simple, the question you're asking, but there's a lot of layering to it. Right. Yeah. So the first thing is if I'm putting out that content, is it lowering my value in that? Like I have some kind of secret sauce and if I share this, the formula of the sauce to the world, nobody will want the sauce anymore. Yeah. And that could be the case. 
I don't think it is and I don't really care. And I feel like there's this richness of information that's out there that we only can benefit our culture and our community and our society at large if we're able to share the information openly and freely. Mm-hmm. And every time I've done so, even if I were to fear something, it's quickly disproved. And I see all the benefits and I see there's some negativity to it for sure. Right. So when you're so side of it, well, when you're so vulnerable and real about what it is you're saying, people start to say, okay, I disagree with you now. Like if you take a position, somebody will take the opposite position. Right. So I'm getting into like little beefs uh, with people online and it's okay. <laughs> do, Some do of it I really do you, enjoy. Do you get into it and in these arguments? Oh, I get into it, man. <laughs> I love a good fight. Do you? So here's the thing. Does it yeah. help you strengthen your opinion or does it help you help you reconstruct and deconstruct what you thought was to be real? Because when you have an opinion and a stand, you're either right or wrong, you know? Right. Um, does it help you reconstruct or deconstruct? I, I love the ability to just get into a fierce debate with somebody and I start to reflect like, maybe my position isn't true. Mm. If the person was able to make a very strong case and I can back down and it's like, you know, as, as strong as I was in my opinion prior to it, if somebody can come back to me and say, hey, here's another way to think about this, I could switch. Mm. But it's very rare that I meet somebody I can talk to sure. that actually has an informed opinion that's thought it through as much as I have and has a counter to what it is I'm saying. Most of the times it comes from some random assumptions that they've made about who I am and what my beliefs are. And we'll get into it. And to be honest with you, a lot of it really gives me fodder for things that I write. Mm. Okay, so when you see a crazy post from me at three in the morning or <laughs> at eight o'clock on a Saturday, whatever it is, it's because I, I, somebody asked me either an innocent question or responded in a really strong way mm-hmm. and I would write a response. But then as I wrote it, I was thinking, Hey, I think I need to share this with more than just one person. Sure. And that becomes a tweet or a graphic or something. And I put that back out. Yeah. So there are some negative things other negative things. If I speak to a client now and they're aware of the videos and the things <laughs> and the tactics I'm using, yeah. what the heck? Yeah, yeah. Like, what do I say now? I'll give yeah. you an example. There was a potential client who watched our YouTube channel and they were fans and they, they were like, okay, we're getting on the phone and we're talking. And the whole time when they're talking, I'm sitting there thinking, what the heck am I going to say? Like, do I go with my plan A, which they already know? Hmm. Is there a plan B or C? And the most fascinating thing happened. They took all my points for me and just answered it. Like I didn't even have to argue with them or to um, use any kind of that mental jujitsu with them at all. Hmm, they were just fans that bought into the process. They know what I'm gonna say, so they just say it for me. And I'm like, okay, any questions? They're like, no. Okay, great, <laughs> let's do business together. I think that's smart. I think that's. I think what you're doing is smart, personally. I have a real, um, just to be honest, I've uh, I've always had a hard time like sharing in a sense. I don't know what it is, it's like, um, I think a lot of people share this feeling as well. Like, cause if they I do. give it all this special sauce, uh, it's going to, no, everybody's going to copy me, you know, and they're going right. to just clone me. And I'm going to, I think that, I think what you're doing is you're creating like, um, you're making your, you're, you're turning yourself into celebrity, you know? And I think being an authority on the, on the topic, I think that's really interesting. Cause you just, you didn't have to like what you just said right there is proof in the bag right there that you didn't even have to waste the time of effort to mental jujitsu them yeah. <laughs> into submission. It's they already understood your formula and we're on yeah, board they put with themselves it. in the lock. If you will, I just stepped in the ring. They're like, okay, they're going to tap like we haven't even started. Yeah. And it's wonderful to see. That's and interesting. that was 
a very strange and pleasant surprise for me. Yeah. Here's the other thing I think, and I want you to think about this, Ash. I'm going to say for me, and I'm not saying like my way is the right way. Okay. So if it comes off weird, uh, forgive me in advance. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. I'm going to say this. It's like, I give away stuff all the time. I learn it, I give it away. And I think to myself, if I'm threatened because somebody has learned a trick or or a phrase that I've used and I'm now on their same level, then I have a lot more to work on for myself. Mm, No amount of tricks or tools or a texture pack or a a plugin is going to, did it find me? I'm more than all those things. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And that's a good way to look at it, too. I would say that um, for those that are listening that are still like maybe uh, entering the industry or junior, we're Mm -hmm. in a completely different place than you, you know, and I think that's one thing I wanted to bring up as well. Like you have a successful business, you have employees, you know, you have a foundation. And I think that's something I think is really interesting to think about as well is that you know, you do, you don't teach at our center anymore. I think from last time I, you mentioned, right? Yeah. I'm, I've taken a permanent semi-permanent break. Okay. And so, I mean, you've reached the echelon of teaching and you've accomplished a lot of stuff. And I think you're now at the phase where you can do these things and take a risk. But what I love about it is I've worked in, and I've known a lot of people at like in your position or, um, like leads or creative um, people that run companies and stuff. And man, you are completely opposite to them. They will just hide away in their hole and not share anything with anybody. They have no social presence. They're not, a, they're not even in that spectrum. And I think, um, yeah, I think, I think you're just ahead of the, 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 the race here. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I think by sharing, I think there's something really interesting that you're doing. I think when you're getting this negative feedback or comments, it's, it's re, um, I think Joe Rogan says it perfectly. It's like little bits of venom, you know, like little bits of venom builds your immune system, you know, and that mm-hmm. little bit of venom gets you to make sure you, you're staying humble, keeping yourself in check. And when you have a really articulate, smart person, not some like dummy is like, you know, incomplete sentences <laughs> and bad spelling. You just kind of like write that off, but somebody that actually has an articulated thought and challenging you, only then it's almost like Highlander, you know, where you're like battling one another so you can decapitate <laughs> one another um, with knowledge and absorb their power. Yeah, of course. Yeah. The quickening, man. I just watched that right. the other night too. It's <laughs> so cheesy, but so amazing. So can, good. Are you kidding me? So good. I, I won't even describe it as cheesy. I loved it. It's got some uh, cheesy parts. Yeah, When's okay, the last time fine. you watched it? Oh, yeah, I watched it when it originally came out. Oh, so. okay. You need to rewatch it then because then you're going to be like, oh, man. But no, <laughs> I mean, trust me. I mean, the Queen soundtrack and just all the freaking epicness. It's just so fun. But um, back to the thing, though, I think that's interesting. And by sharing and opening yourself up, it seems like um, and we've talked about this. You've coached me on like dealing with negative feedback and, and your processes yep. of dealing with that. And um, I'm not sure if we talked about it last time. It would be really interesting. I would love it for you to kind of um, coach anybody out there. Cause there's, there's a lot of problems. I think with people, you know, their fears of posting things or being out there and the, and being exposed online and stuff and dealing with that, you know, negative feedback. Um, you went on a really amazing rant on your, um, on that one that you did with about posting up and the fear of posting things up. And you talked about like the opinions of others, how they don't matter, which I thought was great. And I don't know why that still affects me. And then mm-hmm. the second one you mentioned is like people, or like the, you copied this or that's not authentic or not original. And you went like, it was, <laughs> it was so funny. I was seeing you getting so fired up and you're just <laughs> like, and, and she was like, whoa, 
<laughs> and you're you just went into it and you're looking right in the camera through the soul of the people that were like antagonizing you <laughs> and you were like shut your damn mouth nothing's original and it was i thought it was pretty awesome but i'd love for you to kind of recap for those that haven't seen it your thoughts on originality and um, okay. also people like you know the fear of posting these things or sharing themselves with others due to negative yeah. feedback so little little context here I had just literally the night before I was part of a three by three panel discussion at art center on the very topic. And I was brought in as the maverick, the rebel without a cause, if you will. So there was the professor who was talking about the history of original work and plagiarism, the art history kind of thing. And then there was an intellectual property attorney. So I was the guy who's put in there to stir things up. Hmm. Right. And so I really kind of thought about it and I prepared an, an kind of an, oral debate ready to go hmm. and the other guys i guess we all kind of sort of agreed on things hmm. like there's a legal part and i, I do want to say this so that people don't misconstrue what i'm construe what i'm saying yeah. if you take somebody's work and you put your name on it that's called forgery yeah yeah there's there's no place in the world for that okay yeah. but there's a lot of ways that you can be influenced by something and i put it on the the ball park of just fairness and i think so much of our discussion in the creative community is about trying to do something original and different that it kind of shuts down just growth and learning yeah. see, if we can just redefine what it is we're trying to do is less of trying to be original but just trying to grow and the best way i know how to grow is not just to borrow something but to copy it to trace over things to just try to emulate the people that you worship to mm -hmm. the t and inevitably, through your hands, through your eyes, something about it changes. Yeah. And the IP attorney he said something like this. He says, the best forgers have extremely high IQs because mm. it takes a certain mindset to be able to do that. We're talking about exact copies, okay? Yeah. So the other th idea that I really wanted to share with everybody was this. It's like, you know what? We're on the earth for a very short period of time. Yeah. And we are strong because of the people who came before us, who invented certain things and passed it on to us. Imagine for a moment if those people were throwing IP uh, patents on everything, right? And protecting every single idea. Where would we be as a society and a culture? Forget about the graphic arts for a second. Yeah. We would be nowhere. We'd be still kind of rubbing sticks together trying to make fire because the guy down the way didn't share with us how it was built. Yeah. Now, seeing how it is we're on this planet for such a short, very transient period of time, I think the best thing we can do is to pick up where the other people left off, the people who came before us, pick it up right there and advance it and then hand it off to the very next generation as soon as possible yeah. knowing that we're just borrowing things and we just want to be good custodians that's all yeah you so, mentioned you said that word custodians i thought was interesting yeah. yeah yeah like we're shepherding these ideas along and then we should pass it on this is how the young generation come up and are already better than what we're doing this yeah. is how it should be Okay. So that's the whole idea. And I said it in a very fiery way and, and <laughs> I, I it, got though. into it. You know, it's cool. Like I like to debate with I people. I think it's, it's cool. Yeah. And I think that people that get offended by your energy, it's like, chill out, you know, like calm the hell down people. Like you're, <laughs> you're energized. I mean, if you get energized by what he's getting energized by in a negative way, just take a deep breath, you know, I mean, 
and think about why there, it goes two ways, you know, and perspective is just opinion and it's just like based on your own personal view of things. And I think that's what makes it interesting, but I'd have to say I'm, I'm completely on the same board. I would, I'd like to add to what you said though, is, and I think you mentioned it in the, uh, the episode is called, it's on the future podcast. Um, do you call it a podcast? It's like a YouTube channel thing. Yeah. There's, we have a podcast and we also have the YouTube channel. So Wait, the, You're po- the process the is the process yeah. a podcast. I'm trying to remember which one. No, you have so the, many things going on. <laughs> there are a lot of different things. And <laughs> we're confused ourselves. And I have that on my so, questions list. Like, how do you manage all this stuff? So, <laughs> yeah. So the future is the channel. Yeah, on YouTube, on YouTube, and we have different show segments. The one that you're talking about is called the process. We have something called the breakdown, snapshot, and things like that. And there are ways for us to categorize the content because we're producing lots of stuff. Yeah, this episode is called "Overcome Fears, Insecurity, Mm -hmm. Feeling Overwhelmed, and Start Posting on Social Media." You cover all those things and you get into it. But what I was going to say is, um, there's a moment and there's a time in your life as a designer, artist, creative, anything, um, imaginative, mathematician, where you're going to stand on the shoulders of these giants you know the people before you and you're going to mimic or you know copy or try to figure out their formula and you're gonna do studies you know and but the thing is what i I think the key and the ethical thing we're trying to get here is you cannot post that in the world and expect to get paid for it that is wrong that's completely wrong. But what you can do is do personal studies and share them with your family, maybe, you know, close ones that will understand that, you know, because th- that's how you get better in certain ways. But I think the key is like you can't get paid for it. And I'll, I'll bring up something personal um, to kind of talk about. <laughs> you know, I'm curious to see your opinion of this, too, because okay. I've had some really interesting conversations, especially with the team members that have had on this various project. So, um so I don't know, about four years ago, three years ago, I'm not sure if you've ever seen it. There's this title sequence that I directed and helped design called for FITC uh, Tokyo. Mm, and, and, I don't think I've seen it. And it's like, um, it's got all kinds of crazy colors and it was like the style and I was really obsessed with it and it got crazy and it was designing all kinds of weird stuff. Anyways, um, it was just a bunch of me as me and a bunch of friends and we had a blast doing it. And you, you know how these speaking events, it's just, you do it. It's for the most part, they never are paid for. And they're just kind of like, you'd go do your art thing and have fun with it. And, um, we'll, you know, we'll show it at the thing. And it's just like, kind of like, um, one of my friends is like, it's like the ultimate ego stroke, you know, it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty funny. Cause that's kind of what it is. But anyways, um, it was a big time passion project between friends. Like I, t- I really enjoyed it. It was not paid for. It was like just completely, us having fun. So release it and it goes out there and man, I can't count how many times this thing has been completely ripped off, like mm-hmm. blatantly ripped off for clients, like massive clients. I won't name names here, but one of them is huge. Starts with a U and ends as Uber. <laughs> and, and it was a huge problem. And I was, and, right. and it was, it got to the point where I was like, dude, this is unethical. You can't, so you, you, these people are, they call themselves like creative talents or creative directors. And they, all they do is they go on Pinterest and they go, bam, I'm gonna rip this off and sell it to my client and make millions or hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it was this big issue. Um, I had a big problem with it personally. Cause I was like, you guys, come on, like you're ripping off everything from it. The way it moves, the colors, the ta- the, the tone, the palette, everything. It was just like ridiculous. And I've seen it so many times. I, there was another one that was like this massive, like music awards in china or something like that and for the most part i don't ever seek this out it's just people will go like oh look at somebody ripped off fitc tokyo again here it is and they send it to me on, on twitter at least uh every month or so i get a new one <laughs> since it's been up i'm like what is going on here 
What do you think about that? What's your thoughts on that? Should I not care? Should I care? Um, what, I mean, obviously I can't do much about it other than just be like, ugh. and most of the time to be completely honest, I just bitched about it to my wife. That's about it. <laughs> Cause I know it's not constructive to be like, you suck, you know, and be like a total right. turd online. But part of me, it's like, I want you just to be, I want this to be clear is we did this passion project amongst friends. We released it. It was not paid for. It was completely fun and like a, a natural thing. Um, here, I'll send it to you in the chat so you can see, cause I think you, I don't know, maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. And if you haven't seen it, maybe you've seen the clones of it. So, but yeah. But what do you think of that? What's your thoughts? Well, I think you have a choice and I think there's two things that you can do. Monetize one, it. I'm joking. Go ahead. One is you can sue the hell out of them and see if you got a case. Sure. Okay. The other two is you just got to let go and move on with your life. Yeah. Because the yeah. middle part is the part that kills you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't produce anything productive and it only makes you feel crappy about the world. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So those are your two choices. Now, I have similar stories. I mean, we we did this music video for, for Narles Barkley called Crazy. And oh, yeah. I, at, at that time, I think it was the first animated version of a Rorschach test and how do I know because we tried to find a reference point and we couldn't find anything sure in terms of how these things looked I remember that how they moved right yeah and so then there were a ton of parody things and we can't ever own the idea of the Rorschach test it's not ours and yeah plot animations happened all over the place and we just put the two together and that's what happened and so I never thought anything of it Right, because yeah. I didn't invent it. I just put it together for this purpose. Sure. Make people do it as long as they do it with taste. I don't really care. Yeah, now, that's true. Yeah, that's here's the point. thing that really offended me. A while back, we did a total spec project for the Mini Cooper um, S Turbo. Okay, and mm. it was very black and white, and was really inspired by Frank Miller's artwork for Sin City. This mm. is before the movie came out from Rod- Rodriguez, and we were doing this thing, and it was really cool. And we had a lot of fun doing it. Okay. Now, years later, I was up for a job for Pontiac, I think, mm-hmm. and they were referencing my own video and had me pitch on the project. <laughs> okay, so then I was completely offended. I was like, <laughs> hold on a second here, you guys. You're referencing our project, and you want me to pitch my own treatment against myself and these other companies? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to pitch. Yeah. Like, Are you sure? I said, yeah. <laughs> so they hired somebody else and did it. I don't really care. Sure. I just yeah. move on, you know? So yeah. I look at it like this. My work is not a reflection of me. It's a thing that I made. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, like Venom. You know, the, the, we're getting, we're gonna try and weave in as many comic book references as we can during this podcast. I <laughs> Good. think. Let's do it's it. Like, <laughs> it's a living creature, right? Parts of his costume. I thought, like, you know, when Venom shoots a web or a blast, I guess that part's not part of him anymore because otherwise that's his child or something he shot off, and it didn't make any sense. So I look at, you know, I I create stuff. And I, I am a product of all the things I've seen and experienced. And so who am I to say anything that I have is original? Sure. Yeah. I'm just going to make it. I'm going to profit from my idea for as long as I can. And then I'm going to move on. Yeah. Now, in the opposite spectrum of what we're talking about is people who are patent trolls who file the most abstract, generic patents only to sue other people for making things that could actually move the world and, and our society forward. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Yeah. Those are bottom feeders. I call it like, I always think of those people as like the the shark on the side of the, or the little fish on the side of the shark. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 So That's for those people, I think they're just trying to profit from something cause they're working the legal system, but yeah. how much better would our society be if 
at some point, I do understand if you spend a ton of money doing R and D and you figure out a solution for cancer, you should profit from it. But or not anything, to the point at which anything that you spend time and effort on and you're really yeah. diligent and, and focused on it, I think you should be compensated for it. Yeah. yeah. If you truly invented something that's brand new and you've sat down and worked on it, you should be able to profit from it and you should be able to protect it to a degree. It should expire at some point so that everybody else can benefit from the ideas. Yeah. But you know, what you what happened to you? And I've seen part of your talk in Japan, if that's the, the piece we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then if somebody else ripped you off and it's like, I, I think you may or may not want to sue and then you got to move on with your no, life. No, I won't sue. I don't care that yeah. much. It's just like. Um, it sucks. It just sucks. I think it's, yeah. um, I just, if anything, I, I um, you know, there's a certain persona that I carry that I must keep up keep and it's about giving and caring, you know, but sometimes I get like, come on guys for reals. <laughs> and it's, I, I get it. Um, but I've worked with people that are pretty, pretty gross with this kind of stuff and they go after people and attack them for this stuff. And I don't necessarily think it's necessary, but, um, I think, I think that's one thing I really wanted to talk with you about because you have this very interesting, I don't know if the, the word stoic is, is the right word for it, but you're, you're completely different in the way in your creation where you make something. And I think this is something that you've re- learned from art center. I remember you mentioning it was a really interesting thing. Like when people get critiques, they would, you mm-hmm. know, you'd see their emotions come out and then you, their body language and everything. And then when they were done getting critiqued, they would just shut off and you were like, no, this is time to watch somebody else. And I, I, I feel the same way. Like I like watching critiques. I don't mind getting critiqued, but at the same time, um, it's weird because it's a two way street for me creatively. It's like the reason why I feel that I, I have found the success that I have in my life and my career is because I've put so much of me into the things that I do. And I, this could be completely ego, which sounds like it totally is. And it complete, could be completely destructive, which it does become. Um, but I have the hardest time disconnecting myself from my work at times, especially projects that are completely passion-based. And it seems like you have a strong way of disconnecting from it. My only, The only reason I'm fearful of disconnecting from my work is because I'm worried that that special sauce that makes my work special to me personally, it comes with that you know sacrifice of attaching myself totally and completely into my work you know and i think that yeah. that's probably a very common thing that i've found not only from designers but other artists and just creative people yeah. in general you know yeah um, what's your thoughts on that because you seem to be so good at it and i and i admire that but at the same time i'm scared of it <laughs> like, how do you do that <laughs> yeah, well let me just say something the word stoic um, is a fair way to describe how I am mm. and with your work. even keeled that kind of stuff the, to how people describe me and, and accept that. And I, I, I wear that as a badge of honor, to be honest. Yeah. Now I think when you're making work, you need to be passionate. You need to be emotionally involved. You should try to make work that elicits an emotional response from another human being. And if you've done that, you've done a really good thing. Sure. Okay. But my philosophy is once you've finished the work, that's something else. Like we don't even know what that is anymore. I don't know who made it. So you pour all your heart, energy and soul into it and your ability to switch between those two things will make you the best artist and also make you the sane, most sane artist. Yeah. Right? I was going to say, yeah, yeah. The most, right. So if, yeah. if you're doing the work and you're very stoic, it's like, it's cold. Yeah. Uh, it's detached. It's all these things. It, it's lacking emotion. It ha- it's not lyrical. Right. Yeah. And, but then if you are emotional after you create it, it's like you can't take any criticism. You can't look at it objectively and say, what could I do to make this thing better? Yeah. What can yeah. I learn from this, right? Because then you be, you assume a very defensive posture because there is no separation between the work and yourself. 
That's and so difficult. I'm going to just tell you something. When I was a younger person, when I was in my late teenage years. Don't age yourself like a, too yet, too much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like an emotional basket case. I really was. Mm, okay, good. Was That's like good to hear. It's good to hear. Torn up inside. You know, I was madly in love with this girl. Mm. And when we didn't talk or something funny was happening, I got the knots in my stomach and mm. I was just turned inside out. I cried like a baby all the time. You know, and when things didn't work out, I was super angry. I was like knocking stuff over. And I got to a point in my life where I just felt like emotionally, this is leading me down to some dark, dark path. Yeah. Yeah. You had to hit that rock bottom though, right? Didn't you? I did. Yeah. And I had to make the decision, like, what's the kind of person I wanted to become? And I had this moment of clarity where I looked at myself almost as an outer body experience and said, I don't like who you are. I don't like where this is going. So we have to make a decision. Hmm. Who do we want to become from this day forward? And I think I was around 18 or so. And I was like, you know what? It's time to shut down the emotions. It's time to get control of this because you're kind of pathetic. <laughs> I'm saying this to myself. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, yeah. you just wallow in your self-pity and the world is against you. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Like time to grow a pair. Time to get on with your life. Yeah. And that's the moment. And like who I am, today was galvanized at that moment hmm interesting and what age was this i was 18 okay yeah i remember being that very same way uh um, yeah probably around 18 too almost the identical situation too it's just kind of funny again pretty weird parallels happening but yeah just being completely destroyed by it and i I think still to this day i'm i still have I, i haven't been able to release that part of me yet i just i don't know like uh, I slowly, every project I'm able to go, okay, you know what? Like you say that one thing, that's fine. You know, like you say I'm authentic, that's fine. You say I'm not original, that's fine. Whatever. Like I get it. Like you have your opinion, your opinion sucks, but whatever, <laughs> you know, I do. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's for me personally, and probably imagine for the people that are listening as well, it's can be a struggle, you know, to, to, to disconnect yourself in a passionate way from your work and without, without it feeling like you just don't care, you know, um, that's really finding that balance. I, th- I think perhaps what you're, you found is that you actually care more. You just know where to care and then when to shut it off and on. So you can focus on other things that matter more, I guess, you know? So do you feel like later in your life that you've made the best work yet? Is that kind of, um, something true to you or do you feel like the best work from you is yet to come? And what is that? Mm, um, okay. On the spot, good, baby. Good, good, good question. Wrong. I don't know if I look at myself anymore in, in those kinds of terms. Like the work, I don't even care. I just make it and I, I just, I'm just completely detached from it. Mm. I really am. You're in a completely not, different situation than most people. Do you know I what I mean? Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like if you go back and, and I remember this looking at my old portfolio, the one that I used to get into art center, the one that I was so proud of, I looked at it. Once I got into school, we're talking about a semester in, I'm like, that work is garbage. Yeah. I don't yeah. ever want to see this again. And then <laughs> yeah. and then after first semester, you would just keep looking back and like, what is that? What is that? That mm. thing's terrible. And so when I got out of school and I started working, I worked at um, RGA, then later Imaginary Forces, mm. in a couple of months of work doing freelance, I was like, my graduate portfolio sucks. <laughs> this is just terrible. Yeah. So I'm on this other path where I just seek growth. Mm. I'm, I'm a curious creature and I want to learn. And that's where I get my high on. So all these things are just like little marks. Like, you know, when you're when you're growing up, your mom would tell you to stand against the wall, put a ruler on the wall and kind of make a mark. Yeah. I, I look at my portfolio, the body of work that I've done, the things I've made, it's just a mark on the wall. Hmm. That's it. 
that's where I was. That's how tall I was. That's what I knew how to do with design. And I keep moving forward. Right. Hmm. And, and I don't want to look back. I just want to look forward. And I have a very selective filter in my brain and I listen for something. And if it's going to help me, I want to use it. If it's not, I just throw it away. Hmm. Interesting. Um, when you post something up or you share something, that's when you mm-hmm. shut it off? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I'm going to try yeah. it out. Um, I've been slowly getting better at it. Um, yeah. You know, there there was a recent thing that I did. It was like a short film that I had made and it was really, I worked really hard on it and it was very kind of dear to me why I made it and just something. <laughs> and I, I remember the night I shared it with my wife and she absolutely hated it. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have those moments with your wife? You ever have that? I have it with my wife all the time. We get into little fights over it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let, let me yeah. let me clarify something first of all. Yeah. Because I, I may have misspoken, okay? Sure. When you say when you post something, then you're detached, right? Yeah. I think honestly, as soon as we hit finish, hit record, and we yell cut, mm-hmm. I'm done. Okay. I, I turn it over to editors. They work on it. I have some things I want to say about it, not because I want it to be perfect or the lighting has to be right or fix my face or whatever. It's just because I don't think the idea is clear. Yeah. So I say we need superhero or that's the wrong quote or really this is the subtext and we need to bring that part out. And I don't really fuss too much about like it's the edit perfect because what I've learned is it's actually more important that I get the message out there than yes. it is for that thing to be perfect. Right. Yeah. And I've noticed an improvement in the overall production quality of yeah. everything you're doing too. I was like, ah, oh, you really started to step it up, you know? Yeah. And good. that comes through iteration, right? Yes, like only each time iteration. we do something and yeah. then we figured out, oh man, we've been doing the audio all wrong because somebody on the internet said, Hey idiots, get the audio right. Your limiter, your gate is like out of control. Yeah. And I turned to the guys I'm like, that's supposed to make me sound better. And it's making me sound worse. And, and the guy <laughs> came in and he fixed it. Yeah. So there's a couple of things to learn from that. One is if we sat on the content for a really long time and try to make everything perfect, our ability to grow and learn would be limited by the amount of iterations we did, right? Yeah. So we released it. And now I was still emotionally attached to that work. And then somebody said something negative. I'm like, F you, dude. What do you know, you <laughs> jackhole? Yeah, because I've tried so hard. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, you take it personally. Yeah. yeah, you take it personally. And I just say, okay, if you give me constructive feedback, even if it's negative, I'm good with it. Yeah. There's a couple of people who's like, you're an S face. I'm like, okay, you don't like my face. I get it. There's nothing I can do about that. That's you can the one swear I was born on the show, by the way. It's fine. But I don't swear. Want. So that's just, you don't swear. Yeah. That's interesting. Is yeah, it too? Is it too demeaning? Or is it just underneath you? I, beneath you? I just feel like it's a little raw and just I didn't. You know, I've never had the feeling that I needed to swear, but ever. Never. Oh, I mean, I might have let one slipped out because of like I used the wrong word, but it was not intentional. How did it feel? Was it awesome? Or did it feel shitty? No, it wasn't awesome. I was like, shoot, I got to take control of my words here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a sign of um, emotional um, intelligence, I think. <laughs> I think it's, a, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's um, I, like mental midgetry or something like that. Yeah, it, it's yeah. I, anytime I do it, it's usually um, out of a joke or something being silly. Um, but it is it's pretty stupid. <laughs> it is a, your lack of articulation, really. One thing I think I, I've learned, and I think you probably found this as well, um, through doing podcasts and, and doing these shows is removing, um, that, you know, ums and likes yes. from, yes. uh, if you didn't notice it before, you would notice it instantly. Once you start to listen to yourself right. and think about, wow, I am completely 
not articulate and how bad it is. <laughs> and I think if anybody has an art, a, t- a hard time, because I think you mentioned you're an introvert. Part of me, I'm very much an introvert. And it's very hard for me sometimes to muster the strength to get out there and do these podcasts and do live streams. And I, I absolutely do not like doing speaking events. <laughs> yes. But I do them because it, that's what you need. You need to do that snake venom. You put it in there. You try it. You, put, you hate it. You go through it. You go, okay. A little stronger there. All right. And the next time you do, okay, I'm a little stronger here. And the last one I did actually is like the first time I was like, yeah, it's not a big deal. It's cool. Hey, everybody, you know, like feeling nice, that, you know, so have you, good do, for you. Is that, is, it, is that something that happens to you yet? Or have you gotten there? Or are you working? I've on gotten it? there. Good. I've gotten there and I've used every trick in the book hmm. and I think I've developed some things that work for me. So at some point, if there are a bunch of introverts who want to get together and like, how do we do public speaking? Chris, help us out. I will sure. sit there and give you my top 10 things, right? That'd be a good and episode think, for your, for your podcast or your show. Yeah, I think I, I it's going to, I'm going to have to add that to my list. Yes. <laughs> I know you take notes. <laughs> get your book so, out right there. So. Yeah, I'm writing right now. The <laughs> The thing is, I think it was in Seattle and I did a talk for Adobe Video World. Mm. And that's the first talk ever that I didn't feel nervous. Mm. Where normally I'm, I'm sitting there and my heart's beating out of my chest. I'm, I'm pacing around in a circle and all kinds of things. And I'm trying to figure out what to say. My voice cracks a couple of times before I find my rhythm. But in this one, I felt okay. Mm. And, and now I know I have a very specific routine, how sports people, athletes have very specific routines and superstitions. I think I just got to do it a very particular way and then it works for me. Sure. Right. You have to find your rhythm. You know, you see that, um, documentary on Tony Robbins on Netflix. Uh, I'm not your guru. I think it's called. Yeah. Yeah. I did see that. I loved it. I cried. Um, that one part. It was some powerful moments there, man. Yeah, I was tearing up, man. It was heavy. I didn't. I to be completely honest, what's weird is I must be living in a bubble. I've never really focused on him or really done. I've never read any of his books or. I mean, I remember him from his uh, like shows when I was a kid, and I was like, "What is this?" You know, to put Seinfeld. Yeah, on, the infomercials you know? that are yeah. a little cheesy. Yeah, super cheesy. Yeah. They just weren't delivered properly. But that, um, if you're listening, you haven't seen that. It's it's amazing. It shook me up, and it, it really. Man, he just goes right into those people and gets right to the freaking juice. And, right. and and I love one of the funniest things. I was giggling because um you know you before you do a speaking thing you, you got a lot of energy, a lot of angst, and he just says like punch in the air and he's all doing jumping jacks and all these things. And I don't necessarily do that obviously because I think people, I'm not Tony Robbins yet at least. Um, but I thought that was pretty interesting and funny and I really enjoyed that. What did you take away from that? Cause I, I felt like that would probably be a really good oh, man. thing. There's so what many things. What did I there. take away? Yeah. All right. There's a couple of things. I was looking at it as what's Tony's hypnotic spell over people because he's a powerful speaker. Yeah. He understands how to get at people and he's very successful. So I'm watching it, not just to watch, but I'm watching to learn Tony's formula. Same. Yeah. And I really enjoyed a couple of things. One is he had his, I guess first in command go out into the world and learn about each person's story and they would recommend like this girl's pretty interesting this guy has this problem he was searching for the right person to do an intervention with right yeah and I can imagine and this is what I do as part of my coaching community I pull people out of the audience but none of them are screened ahead of time so stories sometimes don't get there sure and it's not a problem I can solve or it's a problem that's too small or one we've dealt with before so I think the ability to have a team around you to do that and to build a whole system around that allows him to be who he is so he jumps on stage does his bit and then disappears off stage yeah and he comes back out 
And the other thing I learned too is that he's sitting there, he's listening, he's able to tie certain things in, and he's obviously in, incredibly connected to the to this world, this community, and this way of speaking and helping people overcome their problems. And I found that there were similarities that I could do that I could do better. Awesome. So I was just looking at the Tony Robbins playbook yeah. up and down from Learn how it. the event was organized, how he spoke to people, even him saying, I want that track, play that track because this is going to get them pumped up. Yeah, he knows. It's going to create some emotional connection with them. Dumping endorphins. in a vulnerable st- state or put them in a happy state or a I can do anything state. So he's orchestrating all these things from top to bottom. Yeah. And of course, there's all the backstage stuff. It didn't really delve too much into his personal life, which I would like to know a little bit more about. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But that's maybe a different movie for a different day. Yeah, I think so too. You're absolutely right. He has a massive production. He's a ma- ma- manipulator. Not in a bad way. I'm not saying this in a bad way. I think he's he's, he's, he's on the same level as like a, a David Blaine. He's just doing a different type of magic trick. He's doing a cerebral mental magic trick basically on people right. and it's, it's, it's somewhat hypnotic in an interesting way you know like when he gets deep he has the music guy turn up those strings you know and he gets in there and he's looking and he's got this super heavy core intent and he's willing to go he's willing to go there and i think that's really, really what separates him from a lot of people that i've noticed he's willing to go to the point where he's going to break himself and expose himself to everybody because he knows once he does that he, people love him more and I think that's really something interesting there. I was really surprised though. It's speaking of uh, swearing, <laughs> he swears a lot. And I was like, wow, sure this is, I was like, this is, uh, this is interesting. You know, I wonder yeah. why he's doing this. Cause this is really, it's very provocative and, um, it's not normal. I think for most people, like, you know, to see, to go these things, a few people are normally, um, a little bit more articulate with their word and stuff. But I think he just was like, man, he was just cussing up a storm that was uh, there's I moments think I was it's getting. deliberate of course everything he does is deliberate though for you know, he's, he's five steps effect. ahead you know he's right? five steps ahead yeah i think he's swearing because it makes him more relatable i think yes. it makes him yeah. more human and he uses it to break the tension yeah yeah to show he's flawed and to yeah. to, 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 exactly. to 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 be on that page of um of emotional um like instability i guess you know but yeah um, no definitely it's funny because you know um you know our childhood oh we're really in comics now we're like Ooh, the guru movie you know <laughs> mm-hmm. our, our, our desire studies and interests are so funny as they waver through time you know i never would have thought i would been focused and speed i've only watched it once i felt it was good enough for me to watch it once and mm-hmm. really got into it. it was a little heavy for me i have a hard time if i watch one of those things it makes me cry i'm like damn i got to be ready for it the next time like i can only mm-hmm. watch seven i don't necessarily watch it and seven and cry but i can only watch seven you know every color of every other year so mm-hmm. I, although i really enjoy i love the cinematography and and studying the film and the pacing the editing and, and young um fincher and everything but um yeah, I think that uh, I think that you know these there's certain things that I can only watch so much. What's something that you've watched recently that really just kind of blew you away? It can be anything, YouTube video or whatever. It just kind of like was like just hit you at your core. Oh shoot! And don't I know say there's going to be something. Daniel. Don't say Daniel. What's that? <laughs> just joking. <laughs> Let me let me put some thought into it. I know there's something that's just you're you kinda I'm blanking right now. Yeah. So let me let me circle. Come back, back to it. Come back to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I do want to say something though. Yeah, please. Because we we've been talking about it in different ways and I made a little note here, right? Yeah. And 
I want to get to the the haters, the, the hmm. debaters, the the people, the internet warriors, the trolls, whatever. Sure. So here's here's my thought on this. Okay, I actually want to get into a fierce debate with somebody, and I'll tell you why, and I'll tell you what I'm looking for. Okay. I feel like in, in a debate, it's two of us standing there in, in an arena, like we're two gladiators. Mm-hmm. And I want somebody that's got a similar build, similar experience, same weapons. And so we can go full force or like, you know, when they have two superheroes and they know they can't hurt each other, they start smashing through buildings. Right. Yeah. And I feel like, okay, who am I looking for? I, I need to find somebody who's intelligent, who can articulate their ideas. And I think I need them to have a personality because I don't want an intellectual that's super boring and just going textbook. Sure. I want somebody who's experienced work for real, not a an academic, uh, theoretical person. Yeah, that's bullshit. That's important to me. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. there are film critics and there's filmmakers. Yeah. I would like to talk to a filmmaker who's a critic. If okay, you will. There you go. I so like they that. Understand it, you know? Yeah, I'm going to write that down. That's really important to me. I also want somebody who's successful and is successful today, not from years ago and not going to be successful, but already is successful, has something so we can sit there and talk about things and relate and then go toe to toe. Relevant. You know, this is the thing. I want to do that because when I go up against somebody who's really smart and there's a lot of smart people on the internet for sure, but they haven't done anything. They have no experience. So they're just talking out of their butt. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. You, you read that book on philosophy or you read that design Uh, theory or you saw Helvetica. Okay, fine. I get it. Right. You can quote everything. Right. (laughs) But you've done with your uh, life. Shutting them and down so with the slam dunks everywhere. This right? is great. Yeah. So shut up. It and and you, you want to say like you're so superior. Yeah. It's easy for me to beat that argument. It's like, so what kind of credential, what kind of metric do you want to use to measure how superior you are to me? Yeah. Yeah. You have a company? No. You ever made any money? No. Have you saved <laughs> any money? No. Yeah, have you won an award? Any award, forget about it. Yeah. I don't even care. No, you haven't. So if I wanted to, that would be my trump card, my nuclear button. I would just drop it on your head. <laughs> and that would be the end of it. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I want a fair fight. So I invite people. Yeah, if you're listening to this, let's do this. So I can I can go at it with them. Yeah. But almost all of them refuse to come on the show. Sure. They're like, well, it's slanted. I'm like, dude, I'll give you open forum. Yeah. We can do a chess clock where you have five minutes and I have five minutes. I'm ready to go at it because here's something. And my wife's like, why do you like to argue with people? Because it <laughs> crystallizes whether or not I'm thinking the right thing or not. Sure. And I've enjoyed it. I've argued with people who are super smart yeah. and I've enjoyed it. And you, do you know, like getting shut smart. down too? They they don't shut me down. No? You haven't been no. shut down yet? I don't, I don't think oh, so. You got to get shut down. Yeah, you're waiting for somebody to come in there and just smack you around a little bit. <laughs> just it, make it sure you're feeling not- alive. <laughs> Because, you know, here's the thing. I, I really feel this, Ash, and I could be totally smoking glue here, right? Or sniffing glue. Is that when it's somebody drinking is... Drinking glue. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know the expression. Drinking like, weed. Okay, sorry. Drinking yeah. Weed, yeah. And, and when we... Like, if I can meet uh, somebody who's similar in their life as me, yeah. I don't think we're going to have that kind of base argument anymore. No, you probably Wait, won't. You'd be too aligned. To like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Right? And so something much more interesting will happen. They'll judo flip me in a way I'm like, wow, that is deep, man. It won't be some stupid crass comment that they just throw out there. Sure. Because I would really like to just go fully unchained. Now, some people think I'm really intense. Like, you haven't seen anything yet, baby. That's cool. When when you really want to go at it, 
I wish right. I had it. I wish I could oppose you and, and be like, yeah. You can't want. We, we I don't can know do- if I have anything that I would like care to, to, to battle with you about <laughs> enough to give you what you want. You want to get your nut off with some epic like battle, like mental yeah. battle. So I don't, I don't think I have that, honestly. But you know how you do jits, right? Yeah, and of course. And you're able to release your oh, yeah. aggression. And of course, you don't want to fight a kid who's like 55 pounds. Sometimes. You- sometimes. <laughs> I just need to feel good. <laughs> you don't want to fight a guy who's 400 pounds but you Some, want, sometimes <laughs> you want somebody who's no. got equal training yeah. who is at your level or a little bit better so that you guys can go at it and you don't have to pull your punches no you're right there's a thing and i think i mentioned it in when we spoke but um this is something that i learned from jujitsu that and the reason why i love jujitsu in so many different freaking ways i just love it so much but one of the things I learned is that when you train, you're supposed to train when you go in, when you're going to open rolls, like open mats, like full on sparring, you're supposed to go with somebody one belt below you, one belt above you, and then one at the same level. What you're supposed to learn from that is what you've learned, what you have to learn and where you are, you know, and I think that's the goal. What you're trying to do is find another black belt to go and smash yourself against. And I, I see that. I see that in my coach. My coach is incredible. He's a prodigy. He's like, he's just like, he's incredible. He, he got his black belt, I think in four years or something like that. It's like unheard of. It's a mm-hmm. people um, didn't even allow him to do competitions when he had it because they're like, no, you have to have your black belt for six years. If anybody underneath that, we just don't believe you, you know? And then he yeah. came in, he got, they let him in and he just wrecked shop. He would tap right. everybody out in like, you know, seconds. And you're like, well, <laughs> let me in, you know? Um, I, I get it. You're after that. And there's somebody there for you. You know, there's your, there's somebody out there. And if you're listening to the show, bring it, you know, <laughs> get at him, you know? And if you well, have an opposing view, a legitimate opposing view with like articulated thought and you can counter this stuff with like legitimate thought i think that this would be awesome i'd love to see yeah because I'd, I'd love to see you just go like oh damn you got me in a gut <laughs> gut kick and you want to see me get taken down and tapped out not taken cool. down I, I but i mean if i what i'm getting at is you're yeah. you're a warrior and you want to test your warrior you know wit and skill and and prowess against a, another foe i get it because you're trying to sharpen that blade only way to sharpen it is to find that opponent is going to really push it i'm not yeah. i'm not don't get me wrong i'm not saying i want to watch you get demolished that doesn't that's not cool <laughs> why would i want that that's dumb but what i would like to see is you be pushed you know i get that that's cool because you know and what we do is so funny i you know i talk to my coach about art and stuff and it's so funny because i say you know uh geo when we're on the mats it's it's so one-on-one so raw and it's so damn personal and so in your face you can't hide anything away from that mat you go in the computer and you make art and you're just hiding behind this big facade called twitter or youtube or facebook or anything you're not even a person you're just like a number and I think that there's something so raw and that's another reason thing. Another thing I love about jujitsu, but it's so hard to find those real people out there that you can have that intense relationship and battle with on a really good level. So yeah, we'll have to find you somebody. If I see some mega troll, I'll be like, Hmm, maybe let's see. The problem is this (laughs) is (laughs) look, the trolls are brave as anonymous people. Yeah. They have no portfolio. They have nothing to share with you so that they can't be held accountable. And that's the thing. That's why they, they're so fierce online. And so when you invite them to come and speak with you, to have a debate or a discussion even, 
they won't do it because they know their vulnerabilities. They're not going to do it. Yeah. And most of the intelligent, successful people I know, we will have shades of agreement and disagreements, but it never is this vitriolic drag down, beat down fight that, <laughs> that you're going to have. It just doesn't, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I think because you're dealing with real people, I think you hit it perfectly on the head, like trolls and stuff. Uh, this brings up a perfect documentary. I don't know if, if you haven't seen it, you have to see this. It's going to freaking blow your mind if you haven't. It's called Tickled. Have you seen it yet? No. Oh my goodness. Okay. You have to do whatever you can to watch this as soon as possible. Then you can just call me after you watch it because I'm really, I sent you a link right there in the Skype chat. But <laughs> oh, I'm not even going to bring it. I'm only talk about it. But anybody that's listening to this okay. knows exactly. It's like the king, the king troll. You're going to love it. It's really interesting. Okay. Really, really weird. Um, I think I've heard about this thing before. So. Oh, it's just. You think it's weird? It just gets weirder and weirder and weirder. I, I, here's how it works. I, I rarely watch things when I work, but everybody was telling me, watch this, watch this. And I was like, okay, okay. So I got it, bought it, got it on my thing, and I'm working. And I have it on my second monitor. I'm working. Okay, all right, that's weird. And I look over to every once in a while. I'm like, this is, this is what the hell's going on here? Halfway through it, I had to stop what I was doing. <laughs> complete complete <laughs> focus on this thing i was like no effing way this is happening right now i cannot believe this you know it's really it's a it's a tale only in the millennial generation you'll see you'll see i'm really yeah. curious to see what you think because okay yeah. but let's, I'll let's definitely check it out for sure but not when i have work to do obviously sure sure yeah <laughs> which is <laughs> that's probably gonna lead me to the next thing i want to talk to you about but um, I, let's find you some, a good opponent to sharpen your, your, your shield. I sure. always say one of my favorite lines ever is iron sharpens iron, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's very true. And I think what you're getting at is you're finding another art form that you're passionately in love with and you're trying to just sharpen that blade. You know, there's yeah. somebody out there, dude, you know, I'm sure there them. is. I'm, yeah. I'm not saying I want to be clear. I'm not lying awake at night thinking, is there going to be an opponent that's worthy of me? <laughs> I'm not thinking like that at all. <laughs> I'm just saying that I like having a robust spirited debate. Mm -hmm. And as long as somebody has got a point to make, I'm good, man. Let's go at it. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm good. And I would enjoy that. Was there just been because a... I want to learn more about like who I am and what my thoughts are. Right. Sure. Well, you only know who you are until you push to those limits, until you push that boundary of your box, you know, of yeah. reality. I firmly believe in that. That's the only time I've ever really understood who I was when I did like, like, that year long stint at prologue and really pushed myself and everybody around me. I just, I was like, Whoa, okay, well I'm really capable of gnarly stuff. That's true. <laughs> and then after that I was like, okay, I'm going to take it a little, take a little slow down a little bit more, but yeah, only until then did I know I was able to do and my, my passions and my abilities could get me there. So I get that. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to talk to you about is just how do you manage all this stuff you're doing? You have so much stuff. I'm sitting back going like, okay, I get it. You're doing a lot of stuff. How is this working? Do you, do you have how many employees? How, how does this happen? Cause I'm like, dude, you are just turning out. And I'm like, how am I going to keep up with that? You know, I need to get some interns or something to keep up. Cause I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like I, I, I could, I could run with you. I could, I could go full sprint with you, you know, on the content, just boom, here's content. Here you go, people. This is what I'm learning. This is what I'm doing, you know? But I'm like, the one thing that hangs up for me, is like, damn, you know, I got a freaking render that i don't want to do that <laughs> you know like uh, i gotta freaking post that up and i gotta learn about hashtag science oh man i don't even want right. to deal with that how do you do that how, and how does it work for you okay i'm gonna answer that but i'm gonna just close the door I, for some reason there's like a parade of motorcycles going by here oh i don't even hear it but go oh, for you it. don't hear it no i don't hear it okay let me just come right back all right yeah go so for it edit point for whoever's cutting this hold on no there's no editing so i'll stay here 
and I will talk about. Forget it then. I'll, I'll just forget the door. Forget yeah, it. I never edit these ever. I make you it a don't. point okay, never fine. to. Fine, fine. I like we to keep it raw and honest. All right. <laughs> All right. Let me let me. Tell I don't you. even hear him though, so it's fine. Okay, cool, cool. So, so here's how we do what we we do. We have three full time staff. Oh, okay. On the future team. Okay, so there's an. That's editor. just the future team. Just the future team. Blind has a whole different team. It's full time. Bigger employees full-time employees that we pay money to and oh my goodness health insurance and the whole bit health insurance too yeah wow, dude. you are a good person man and this is exactly. this is funded through your other like ventures until no, it starts to not, build it's self-sustaining right now because of the subscribers yeah so right now i'm looking I'll at tell it. you the whole business model i'll tell you everything you want to know i love I how transparent no you are you're crazy so you just give it you. all out so we have Stuart. He's our editor. He's full-time. Okay. I just hired a graphic designer. Her name is Molly. So now she's going to help me make content. So her impact on the show hasn't been felt yet because she's only been on for two weeks. Okay. Well, hurry up, there's, Molly. Come on. Right? So there's Aaron, who's our first full-time employee. Uh, he shoots, he edits. He's just my main go-to, like fills gaps, right? Whatever I need done, he gets done for me. That's awesome. And, and there's a guy named Mark. And Mark is working for me part-time. Mm-hmm. He's... um a filmmaker, an editor, but not by trade. Like he was a computer science guy. Hmm. So he's the, all the guys are like switching roles and helping out. Now we used to have a, a couple different volunteers, but they've cycled in and out. Cheryl used to do social media for us. Now she's got a full-time job somewhere. Jacob used to do SEO for us on YouTube and he cycled out. So we have a few volunteers, but I'm not talking about an army of people, right? Yeah. And that's basically who makes the company run. Now, aside from those people, there are some people from the blind side. There's Matthew, who's one of my creative directors. So from time to time, you'll see some of his content on the show. Mm. There's Ben Burns, who's busy with a lot of blind stuff, but he's also developing content for me. He, he's also on the show from time to time. And there's our newest co-host. Her name's Melinda. And yeah, she, she's on the one that I was talking about. Yeah, and yeah. we're four episodes in. We've just recorded two more, so we, we'll Killer. be releasing those. I really and like she's those. awesome because she's very, um, I'm going to say like she's confident to, in, in terms of who she is. Yeah. She's super transparent. So if she says, I don't understand this, or I'm I'm tired, man, or I haven't worked that hard, or she'll just say whatever. I and like that, yeah. That was the perfect chemistry. There's no fronting with her. Yeah. So she's been a very valuable welcome to the team. And so what does she get for just being on the show and exposing herself is I'm hoping that, A, she's getting additional eyes on her site and her work, but yeah. also she's getting basically free coaching for me that's what i was gonna say i was like oh come on that let me let me get some of this sweet action you know <laughs> it's like you're brave enough to come on and share your story in an open honest and transparent way dude i'm, in. I'm willing right so let's do it yeah no i so, think it's great i was i was i keep thinking to myself what can i do so chris and i can spend some more time together this would be a lot of fun <laughs> besides comic-con once a year because comic-con is just like the nerd mosh pit which i didn't not super pumped on all the time so right um, right but no, I mean, I think it's great. That's okay. That makes complete sense. And I love the transparency too, because it's awesome. Because now it's like, even if somebody wanted to replicate that, it, they're still not you. They're still not your team. And I think it's brilliant what you've managed to do. And I think I applaud you for having full time employees and freaking health benefits. All that stuff. That's, I've worked at studios <laughs> for a long time as full time yeah. and never get health insurance. Right. Like you know, real legitimate like, jobs that you don't have full uh, yeah, insurance. No, this is you're just I, a scrappy little startup and you know, we got to do it right. No, I appreciate that. That's it. Yeah. Takes a lot of guts to do that, and to do it right isn't easy, always easy. 
Yeah. One thing I learned with like modifying cars, you know, I'm really into cars is that you do it right the first time, you won't have any regrets, you know. And I think if you build a business right the first time, you won't have any regrets. You set up good pl- um, platform and all that stuff. One thing I wanted to get into too is um, talking a little bit about Kier. And um, there was something, I think it was one, one of your episodes where he was saying that, you know, when he, he first met you, you were so shy and you had, you were running the studio, but like it was very toxic. And you had like some, some like employees that were kind of just shitty and you couldn't deal with them, mm-hmm. you couldn't face them. And then mm-hmm. you eventually just kind of overcame that. And now you are the Christo. And I thought that was really interesting, that transformation and what he's done for you. It seems like listening to the episode with him is he, he a lot of who he is has transcended into you, which I found to be true. Is that is that possible? Yeah, yeah, it is totally possible. And it's totally accurate. Now, something that I'm, I'm, I take great pride in is I'm a very good student. What do I mean by that? I mean, I try my best to learn from my teacher, my master, and then just slay my master, right? Yeah. It's like, you got to be at the level of your master at some point, because I don't want to be the student forever. And so when Kier tells me to do something, even if I wholeheartedly disagree with it, even if I think it's the craziest, most bonkers idea ever, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, I'll ask like, why didn't it work? Can you give me more coaching? What did I do wrong? And then he's like, okay, do this. And then I course correct and I course correct. Now, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, dude, I wish you would have told me all the three things that were about to happen so I can get it right the first time, but whatever. <laughs> Eventually, I learn, right? Yeah. So yeah. some of the things he's helped me out with. One is he said, you know what? I see that you're unhappy. And it's because the people that you have here aren't people who you'd want to hang out with. They don't reflect your values. So we need to sit down, we need to map out what your values are. Like, what do you believe? Because if we hire people who believe what you believe, I think everything will work itself out. And a lot of this was, you know what? Some of these people that are on my staff are rock stars or they're amazing designers or they bring something and I think I will lose more if I let them go. Hmm. And ultimately, that took a lot of courage because there were friendships, there was talent, and there was what my reps were telling me not to do. And ultimately, I had to face all those demons and say, you know, for my own mental health, I got to let them go. I do understand there is a cost um, there's a risk to the business and I know that we're going to do less business because of these people being gone. Sure. And sure enough, eventually I was able to sort it out, let them go. And we took a hit. We made less money. My reps were less happy about the situation and we got fewer boards, but you know, it wouldn't take courage if it weren't hard and if there weren't real consequences. And so, yeah, it does require you to take a hit. Like if you have values and, and you want to test your ethics, then there's a, a price to pay and we paid that price. But what we got in exchange and it didn't happen overnight. It took some time to, for it to kind of uh, mature or become fruitful in that we now have a team who's hundred percent aligned with my values. Not necessarily that they're going to do what I want, but we share a certain way of looking at the world. So when I come into the office, I say, guys, there's a brand new idea. I want us to focus on this. Can we do this? I don't get hemming and hawing. I don't get, um, people who are jaded and who don't want to do it, they're not pushing me back. Instead, what they do is they, like, that's great. Can we understand this a little bit better? Yeah. And then now they're pushing me. Mm. They're like, let's do this. Forward when thinking. can we do this? Yeah. Right. And they're, they're just pushing, 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 and they don't ask for permission. They just keep doing. Yeah. And so now we have a finely tuned machine that can turn on a dime. It's mm, awesome. That's and that smart. was a jet ski, not a. Star Destroyer. Uh, not a, yeah, yeah, exactly. Not a giant see, yacht, right? Yeah, you see that happening. That's a good analogy that I use with my friends too. And I because you know a lot of my friends they run companies and stuff, and they go like, um, they're like, "Well, you run a company, Ash," and I'm like, I already do. 
and I'm like, and I don't care to run like a big, huge studio because I don't even know if I could even manage that. <laughs> and the, the legalities of just my day-to-day stress would just be too much probably just having to spend more time in calls and emails and, and meetings rather yeah. than creating. I don't know how you do that necessarily. I guess, I, I, again, I think it comes down to what Kira was saying. Like it's all about your values and understanding what you value and your priorities on those values and aligning people with those things, you know? Yeah. Um, I've always had a big problem myself with everything. It's why I do jujitsu is I'm an individual sport kind of guy. I love my car, like driving by myself, like, you know, like a lot of just kind of singular things, you know, me versus the world kind of things, which, and when we did our podcast together, like, man, you could keep going into that dark place. (laughs) And I was like, damn, you know, I, I, I don't realize that I do that. I think I'm just very intense. But one of the biggest problems I have is I go zero to 100. I'm either in or I'm out. The world's black or it's white. And that's it, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I find that to be my strength and my weakness. Do you have a similar thing or is, are you right in the middle in the gray spot? Cause I can tell you have an intensity, but it seems like you go like, okay, I'm going to be white right here. Absolute white. And I'm going to go gray. I'm going to go black no. now. No? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't like things that are not clearly defined. Yeah. And I am the same as you. It's like, if I'm doing something it's either I'm in charge or I'm following you, but I don't want to be in the middle. Yeah. And here's the classic thing that a lot of people in relationships can relate to, right? It's the classic question of where do you want to go to eat? <laughs> or how, where, where to somebody, drive the car. If somebody asks me, where do you want to eat? Are you really asking me? Because then I'll just make a decision. Yeah. But what I don't want to do is pretend like I'm in the decision making process with you. And of course it happens with my wife all the time. <laughs> and, and it's Same. like, I make a decision and she goes, no, let's eat Japanese. I'm like, what, oh, what, the, heck? what the heck was that all about? Why didn't you <laughs> oh, say I want to eat every Japanese? Night. Yeah. I told you I'm fine. You want to eat pizza, pasta, ramen or, or whatever. I'm good. The problems let's go of our where, generation. You no. Know? Yeah. And it's totally okay. <laughs> So yeah. that's where it's like, I want to either be responsible, make the decisions, or I will support you. I can be a good soldier. I'm a, I could be a good general, but I don't want to be a soldier general. And it's just like, I don't know what that is. Mm. So yeah, definitely that. And there's this other thing about me. I know that if I can't be supremely passionate about something, I, I don't want to even to do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's what Kira like, was saying also is like the, the, you don't pick, like you, you pick like seldomly pick a job at your work that excites you. And those ones that you do pick, you get awards for and they actually work because you're passionate about it. You feel like you yeah. can a- attach yourself to it. But let's be honest here from what I understand is you're a self-made person. You've completely manifested the world in which you live and you've earned that right to be able to pick and choose what you want to do and what you don't want to do. Am I right or wrong? Yes. And, and, and believe it or not, Kier gave me the courage to, to understand that. Mm. And it was something that I earned. He says, you know what, where I come from, the boss gets to make the decision, whether he's right or wrong, doesn't really matter. But since he's writing, putting everything on the line every single day, when he makes the decision, he has the right to be wrong. Yeah. That's awesome. And when he said that to me, I'm like, Oh, because yeah. before I was trying to justify everything. I was trying to like win people over to to understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. And now I just begin the decision and, or the statement to say, guys, I'm not saying this is the right way to go, but this is the way I want to go. And yeah. as a person who has the most to lose, I think I've earned that right. Hmm. And everybody's chill. They're like, okay, yeah, I get that. You know? Right? Yeah, you so, basically personified it. Yeah, you made it like less of an ambiguous thing and it kind of like, Okay, I get it. You know, like you're the boss, but you're not going around going, I'm the freaking boss. You know, it's like, no. Right. We all know that we're here because I managed to pay your bills and I get it. You could be doing other things, but we're here together and we're doing this now. And if, if, if this all falls, it's, uh, I'm the one that has to carry the weight. 
Right. But we're doing it together. You know, I think that's leadership is so difficult. It's one of the things mm-hmm. I have a challenge with. I've read some books on and stuff. I think it's really interesting because I think we talked about it as one of my goals is to direct, you know, directing is all about communicating and leading, you know, right. It's, it's not about making fancy pictures and it's about communicating and leading people and, and cultivating a great team to get the best out, you know? So I've worked with really incredibly talented, amazing people that are incredibly severely harsh and crazy <laughs> tantrums and madness. And I've also worked with people I'd really love to work with more of like, um, like the Richard Bransons and stuff of the world, mm. you know, people that seem to have the genius, but at the same time lacking that insecurity and that like devilishness <laughs> to their nature, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, cause you introduced me to cure and I'm really excited to, to, to spend more time with him, to get console and to understand how he works. And, um, one of the things he said, uh, that I'm going to listen to and really keep in mind is that he said, you know, you have to be ready and willing to change and you have to listen to it. And a lot of times people just pay me just to kind of try to prove me wrong <laughs> for months, you know, and until they finally listen and give in. And I think, you, you know, I think that's just a trust thing. You know, like, I don't know you, you know, and how are you going to change me and all that kind of insecurity thing. But I think the goal, I think from listening to his impact on your life, and I think we can all use a good mentor, you know, so I think in Absolutely. some ways these episodes are mentorship, like little mentorship nuggets, you know, I think it's right. why we seek these things out. And there's these little pieces of value that people get from them, but we can all use a, a mentor, you know, our, 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 a master basically. You right. Know? Everybody well, let me say it. something about that. Now, so a lot of the the audience who's listening might not even be in that space where they're thinking about a mentor, where they can afford to pay a coach or a consultant to teach them how to do what it is they need to do. Sure. But let's just say, like, if you're in college, your mentor right now is your teacher. Hopefully, Pick wisely, right? Hopefully. Pick wisely. Yeah. You you have a couple of good teachers, and trust them because here's the thing. Maybe I'm just a cheapo. I'm a cheapskate where I've hired a coach and I realize it's expensive. And every time I meet with him, I want to get the maximum value. So what's the point of me even sitting there saying, well, you don't know me. You, I can't trust you. I'm just going to, I've trusted you when I signed over that check. Yeah, let's, let's go, baby. Yeah. Let's do it. What are you going to tell me? The sun rises in the West and so not in the East. Okay. I believe that. Let's go. What's next? <laughs> and if I, if it works and great, I, I'm not going to sit there and question it. Right. Yeah, exactly. If you tell me it's upside down, I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, And then if it turns out to be true in terms of like the effect it's had on me, I want more. Yeah. I don't think you're cheapskate. I think it comes from living in a, a life that comes from very little. And I think you're cognizant and aware that money is important and to be and to value it when it comes to that and to yeah. submit. It allows you to submit properly. And then therefore, it's almost like you get a smoothie and you're like, oh, I'm going to drink it with my hand. You're like, dude, come on. Why you got to be like that? Just grab the straw and drink it like a normal person, you know, like right. just submit to the cup, you know, like so submit to the process. I think it's really important. Um, what's an ideal day for you? Like what, what give me like paint that perfect picture. You know, I think I might've talked about this last time, but mm-hmm. um, kind of, I mean, the little things I'm, I'm sure have changed since then. And c- give me a, a good perspective on an ideal perfect day. You know, like okay. what are you getting out of that day? What's all those nutrients that you're getting? You go to sleep and you're smiling. You're on that cloud nine. What's that day like? Okay. Before I answer that question, I want to say one thing. I remember in the Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi and Daniel-san, Miyagi's condition 
to, to Daniel in order to teach him was you can't question anything. Otherwise, yeah. I stop teaching you. <laughs> and true. that was the condition, right? He said, you must follow everything I say without question and without fail. And Daniel was so desperate because he was getting his butt kicked every single day. <laughs> Love the girl of his dream was getting taken away from him, right? Yeah. And I think that was really important. So whether it's a relative, a friend, somebody, your teacher, a mentor that you pay good money to, it's a function of time, resources, and so what is the point of your life if if you squander away two weeks of class by not listening to, to the instructor by challenging them? The time to challenge them is after you've learned everything they have to teach you and say, okay, now I've seen what you taught me. I disagree with four points, but I'll keep the other 18. Hmm. Okay, so yeah. having said that, let me answer your question about the ideal day. Sure. Thank you. That's a great point too. Karate Kid's always a good reference. Right? <laughs> hey, we're going to make a lot of references on the show. Okay, so... In terms of my ideal day, my ideal day would consist of no client work whatsoever. No client <laughs> Me meetings, <too. laughs> no nothing. Uh, so, right? Okay, align so there. Right. I'm going to wake up in the morning and I wake up. I, I, I typically do not even have an alarm. I just wake up when I feel like I need to wake up. Good. And typically that happens around 6 to 7 a.m. I just can't sleep anymore. I wake up mm. and I'm ready to go. So the first thing I like to do is just to respond and see what's going on on my feeds. And there are a lot of feeds now and there's more feeds for me to manage from all the different social media things that we do. Yeah. And I try to respond. Mm. Right. So I'm just banging through Laptop those. Laptop or phone? Right on my phone. Okay. Damn. I mean, super thumbs then. Right. I'm just going for it. And sometimes my left side of my body goes numb. I flip over to the other side. <laughs> does your I arm do go side. numb? Do it you does. Have that? Oh, God. Like you have some w- weird wrist action going on, like <laughs> holding for that one position. You got to get that laptop out, dude. Help it's too heavy and it's too hot. I've done it. It's like, dude, is, were you using a PC or something? What's going on there? No, I'm using a Mac. Are you okay. kidding me? That's blasphemy, dude. Okay, get the, yeah. no. So, you know, I'm using the phone. I'm going through it. And yeah. then I start to formulate different th- like themes are reoccurring and I'm thinking, okay, I'd have a notepad by my bed. I write it down. Okay. And then I'm jumping on my desktop at some point and I'm starting to create things. I'm either writing materials, I'm jotting down notes or l- laying out like five bullet points on a talk I want to do. Mm-hmm. And so ideally I would just be at home because every time I step into the office, the world of service and clients it can't help but to bleed into me. Yeah. And I, I feel like because I'm at work, everybody wants to talk to me about something and they're not the most organized communicator. So I'm sitting there dealing with <laughs> one person, but through 14 points in the day instead of like one person getting all the 14 points across in one meeting. Sure. So that's why I'm like, okay, I go to work because I need to, to, to make uh, social contact with my team. So they know what's going on and whatever. But I like just making content and talking to the people. So part of that ideal day is probably we're doing a live stream or recording a new episode. So there's more content to keep the, the pipeline full. What's like on those I, streams or that content? Sorry. I'm just yeah. curious. Going into that. So I, I want to make sure that there's enough podcasts for, for Stuart to edit or for Aaron to cut for YouTube or Mark to distribute. There's always things that are in the pipeline in the queue to be cut and released into the wild. Mm. Awesome. Some part of that day, I think my, my kids and my family are involved in the things that I'm doing. Maybe we're sitting around, my wife is sharing some concept that she read or, or watched a video on self-actualization that is meaningful to her that I'm like, oh, it's interesting. Let me steal that idea. Let me see how I could fold that into what it is that I'm doing. Mm. And my son's helping me out with either some kind of artwork or something. Mm. And the day would end with me 
again, responding, communicating to the people that are talking to us online. Hmm. No ice cream? No ice cream. What? No <laughs> delicious frozen treats at all of any kind? No, not at all. How dare you? What do you got? You got nothing? No, no, no vices? I put I ice cream in there. Vices, I think, but what are you, I, what I, are some of your vices besides, um, um, addiction to uh, social media? I <laughs> 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 gotcha. gotcha. You it know, it's true. <laughs> it's true. I yeah. don't even deny it. No, you shouldn't. Uh, shoot. What are my vices? <laughs> I, I mean, maybe I'm sitting there watching too much TV. I don't know. I do like to watch TV and I'm trying to do all those things at the same time. Yeah, what's um, yeah, I play a little Skyrim too, and sometimes a little means like four hours straight. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, I've heard. Yeah. The, I, I don't even touch those things because I don't, I don't even want to go down that alley. You know, it's a dark, and, dark path. Stay away from it. Uh, you know, I, I get sometimes I get sucked in that binge watching stuff. I'm like, damn it, it's freaking four o'clock in the morning. I had not done anything with my time except just consume something like a drone. <laughs> but it's so fun and it feels good. The last time, I, the last one I did, and I'm curious what it was for you. It was uh, I watched The Night of. Have you watched that yet? No, that's the Ooh. HBO series, right? Ah, it's delicious. Yeah, yeah. it's scrumptious. It'll just destroy your, just be willing to destroy a couple days. <laughs> It's uh, a yeah. nine episodes, I think, but it's just really well done. Really well done. Yeah, I don't we know if you've ever a, followed the, the, the serial podcast. You ever listen to that? I've listened to a couple episodes. I, I am afraid of going deeper. Oh, do it, man. Do it. Now, dude. you know, because <laughs> I, I have four or five podcasts that I listen to now and I was like, I came and keep up with these things. Oh yeah. I can't either. Yeah. And I was going to say, we live in this wonderful time when there's a plethora of media to consume on so many different platforms. Yeah. It's all about prioritization for me. And so that new app, the series abstract that came out on Netflix, everybody's like, oh, it's all about design. So I finally watched one of them. I'm like, oh, it's pretty good. But, uh, you know, there's other things I got to be doing. I never, I, I tried to watch one of them and I was like, it felt really pretentious. And I was like, eh, yeah, I'm out of here. So I kind of just, I, if everybody was telling me, Ash, you'd love it, you should watch it. And I definitely probably will love it. I just, it did nothing for me. I don't know. It's weird. Which I'm one very, did you watch? Huh? Which one? Did, which it was which like one? The logo one or something? And, and oh, we talked, with with Paula Share. I was like, yeah, yeah I just. I watched that one too. Yeah, it didn't that stick was the with first me. one I watched. It didn't yeah, no. stick with me either. Yeah, and I I'm, I don't know. It's because like I'm so close to that, and we talked about like how you know my thoughts on design, like how I feel like design is kind of it's like oh yeah, get it, yeah, like but like comic book art or something like that's like you know mystical <laughs> science i don't even understand how you do that you know but with, with design I go yeah it's a you know a logo yeah i could bust those out like left and right it makes sense you know like i get it but um i like those difficult things you know but i i, I should probably give some more I'm, I'm really not trying to belittle that person or what they're doing i think it's definitely challenging everybody has their challenges some people do comics but they had they're horrible at design you know um, it's just two way street. So, yeah. But, well, speaking of that particular episode now, Paula Scher, who I know I should know, who's a, who's a legend the most influential living graphic designer. It's a woman, oh, yeah? you know, I, I get that. I get all that stuff. But I think the thing that didn't do anything for me, unlike the chef's table series is, oh, that's, I like eccentric pff, personalities. Amazing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I like extreme people and she was not an extreme person in that that's way. A good point. Yeah, that's a good point. That's probably what I was thinking too. Because the chef table, you have these freaking nutsos, you know, they like are just nutsos. deliciously amazing nutsos. And I'm just like, oh, right. you're entertaining, man. This is insane. 
because I, I get really nuts about stuff too, but you're going on it with food. I'm like, this is awesome. Let me take this journey right. with you. You freaking freak. <laughs> yes. This we, is great. We, we want to see slightly dysfunctional people feel good and, and who are still making it. And, and I think that's what draws you in. It's like, wow, in a different way, they would be total failures, but in this one way, they're amazing superstars. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that show is just so good. I've been trying to get that director on the podcast for a while. I, that show is just so damn good so well shot so well edited so there's some music everything the the, the composed piece it's just man it's 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 up there i've been really recently really enjoying anthony bourdain's parts unknown yeah i go through periods of time where i watch a lot of it he's he's such a little imp sometimes so funny his like his personality <laughs> is such a little shit um but i, I he can be yes he is he's like i will recently i was watching the one with him in szechuan where he took his buddy is like that french guy have you seen that one I've not. He's just torturing his friend by making him eat all his like crazy spicy um, Chinese cuisine, just like mm-hmm. getting him super drunk and like destroying his bowels. It's like, <laughs> and he's just such a turd with, it. <laughs> but it's entertaining. I watched it. So what are some other shows that you're watching? Are you a Netflix guy or is it all of them? Do you have, cause I have, I have multiple subscribe subscriptions to all these things. I'm, I'm addicted yeah. to all well, I, I probably there's no surprise, but I love Game of Thrones. Okay, of course. Just about every nerd okay, loves that, right? Your favorite character, who is that on Game of Thrones? Because I freaking love Game of Thrones. But It's probably Tyrion. It's got to be Tyrion. Tyrion's amazing. He's so smart. I, I would say it's mine is it's Tyrion or um, uh, Arya. Yeah, I think Arya's Arya is amazing. Arya, the, 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 she's, okay. She's, he's building her up to be the baddest beast assassin killer the baddest he's building her up the whole time she's gone through everything and she's still there man yeah she managed to she managed to survive every phase that everybody else has died except Tyrion. you know you know what though but she's made some poor decisions in her life she really has a kid (laughs) but still (laughs) you think about it what'd you do What'd the faceless do? man and she saved his life he gave her three wishes and she should have killed off tywin and be done with it oh but she's she a little didn't. kid that's true but she's a little kid Did. you know but you know what here's the thing i think what what uh, george R. R. martin has done here is he's created basically one character and he's yes. made them reproduce themselves via their siblings right oh yeah yes the father exactly. makes the same mistake as the son and the son makes the same mistake as the daughter and everybody down the line yeah so that's the interesting thing it's really like four archetypes yes and they they, they get killed and then they're 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 uh children that's exactly it do the exact same thing yeah i mean john snow is ned stark i mean they all they all yeah. are and yeah. same with his brother you know, yeah. all of them are the same. They they want to do the right thing. They're almost kind of black and white about doing what's right to the detriment of everybody. Yeah, yeah. And so so is Cersei though. Cersei in her own right, she just has a horrible delivery. You know, uh, oh, her delivery yeah. is just the worst. And and she creates little monsters like Joffrey. You know, and <laughs> and he can man that it, he George can write a character you just absolutely disgustingly hate. You know, like. You just fiendishly want to see them be done with, you know, like um, Joffrey is one of those just creatures that he created just like the worst, you know, I love that. <laughs> you're like, you're like, Joffrey's my favorite. He's no, like, <laughs> I was thinking that kid's career is going to be ruined because oh, he's everybody's yeah. going to hate him from here on out. Yeah. My Even God, the Lady in the Red too. He's a human being. Yeah. The Lady in Red. Right. I'm excited for this next season. It's departed from the books. Um, so I'm curious yeah. to see how it holds up because um, it's going to be interesting. I'm really a big fan of that series. I think it's basically just showed 
um, kind of destroyed the whole myth of like TV shows aren't at the sub same level as films. It just kind of obliterates it. I mean, to be not to be a jerk, but it's the visual effects and this the overall feel of that world is better than most any movie out there. It goes head to head with any of them and destroys them. <laughs> yeah. So and it's a television show, people. It's it's like twelve episodes a season. It's not two hours of content. It's this is like a crazy amount of content being produced. Right. If anybody even understands the complexities of running a show that big. And it's, it's a miracle that it's any, any good. I can't believe it personally. It's amazing. A- another favorite show of mine is Fargo. Fargo oh, is Fargo. incredible. Yeah, it's so Just good, man. Crazy oh. cool storylines, retro so style, uh, the lighting, cinematography, the color grading, everything about it. Stories. The, them being able to bring in great actors. Incredible. And the, the, just the tension that they're able to build from episode to episode is incredible. Yeah. I'm on. Uh, I'm coming up on season three. I'm about to binge on that soon. Okay. Yeah, it's it's definitely top three for me. It's Game of Thrones, that, and then obviously when Breaking Bad was running. But Better Call Saul, you watched that? I watched parts of uh, the last season. I, I've got a bunch of episodes queued up, ready to, to rock, but that's how I like to do it. Okay. I like to yeah. let them build up. That's smart. And just yeah. binge. Yeah. yeah. Any other shows are a must watch? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say a must watch, but I have a pretty long playlist here, right? I'll watch Homeland. Sometimes there's a good season and sometimes there's a bad season. I think they fixed it, the formula with Homeland. Cool. You know Homeland mm-hmm. on Showtime? Uh, my wife watches it. I never watched it. It seemed kind of cheesy. I don't not really into like the whole like nine eleven terrorist thing. That's what it's like, right? Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm kind of like uh, it's not. It just seems too, way too American for me, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I get it. So th- this will be kind of kind of part of my like second third tier. Like I could leave it playing around the background, but sure. I, I even enjoy uh, the blacklist, and I sometimes fall in and out of that series. But so hmm. uh, I I liked Fringe when it was on. Uh, course sloppy plot lines that never resolve yeah, but whatever yeah. i have a hard time with those yeah you ever watch a uh, utopia european uh uk show no uh you should check that out let's talk about really interesting cinematography and just pacing and overall story mm-hmm. put that on your list i don't know if it's on yeah. any of those things i got it so how did i get it? i got it somehow like bought it off of the in london station or something weird like that it's awesome though super good show how about black mary yeah. you ever watch that nope Ah, yeah, there's another one. That's on Netflix now. Yeah. I've been telling everybody, everybody's sick of me talking about Black Mirror, so I'll stop talking about it. But There's too many good shows is the problem, not enough time, and so on. Yeah. Well, um, Black Mirror is contemporary Twilight Zone. Um, mm-hmm. It's in like an Aesop fable about the, the bads of, uh, of technology, which I think you should watch because you have, you have the vice with social media, and I think some of these are going to be right <laughs> reality. Watch season one. Start off, but please don't watch episode one when you start it because it's going to – I think it's punk rock. It's the thuggish show <laughs> episode. But don't start with that one. Watch episode two and move forward from there. It gets – there's some really heavy ones in there, but I think what you're going to love is it's a very – Charlie, the writer, he, he writes some really interesting things and very contemplative. And the episodes are, are designed to get you to think, you know. And keep in mind this stuff, I think a lot of these episodes came out before her and Ex Machina and all these other things too. So mm-hmm. um, just something to think about. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of any other good shows I can recommend. Those are two that I always recommend to everybody. Um, uh, the Night Of, I would highly suggest watching that. That's really good. Um, what else is there? Yeah, there's so much content, so much good content. And Netflix is going to be pumping out like a new series every week, I think, in the next next year. I think they're just wow. completely dominating the space, and nobody can. They're not. Nobody's going to be able to hold even hold a candle to it. I can see HBO and 
Amazon all trying to keep up with it. And for me, it's like, yeah, you guys should all battle for it, you know, because then it's yep. like, you know, let me direct these things and let me have a piece of this pie, you know. So, oh, sure. Master of None is another amazing show. Have you watched what Master of None? Master no. of None? Oh, no, no. dude, so good. So funny. Um, Aziz is the, he's a comedian, but he wrote mm-hmm. and directed and oh, it's so good. You'll love it. It's really you well know, written. Great you've show. Gonna, you, you've given me a new vice here because there's, there's no way because, okay, here's the real struggle, right? I, I have a long list of books I need to read, a long list of videos I need to watch. Sure. And now you're only compounding the problem. <laughs> right? And decks yeah. to write and shows to record. So <laughs> yeah. here's something that I said that, that maybe we can we can bring it back to the world of education and mentorship. Sure. In that I talk to people all the time. I said, you know, everybody wants everything. They want they want to be successful. They want to be famous. They want to be loved. They want to uh, be rich. They want all these things. And then they also want to have a good life. They want to have a great relationship. They want to sleep at 10 o'clock and have 12 hours of sleep. They want to have their weekends. They want to be with their family. And I said, you know, you just have to learn to prioritize what you, what it is that you really want. So yeah. most people want a fair and balanced life. But what they do is they they delude themselves saying, I want to be really fit and I'm, I'm super ambitious because not all those things can be true. There's conflict here. And this lesson one of the things i learned from my dad is about perseverance and sacrifice to delay the things that you think you want now to later Hmm. right delay gratification put in the good work today so that you can enjoy the rest of your life Mm -hmm. load up the work up front and that the philosophy has served me well when i was in school it served me well in running my company and now in the future this is what i'm doing because i i can see the light at the end of the tunnel Mm -hmm. and it's a wonderful thing Mm. right so i'm willing to give up some of these personal pleasures uh, some of the 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 things that Obviously, I would like to spend more time with my family or my kids, but they also understand what's at stake and what we're trying to do. Sure. And so instead of them uh, distancing themselves from me, they're also helping me integrating into my life. And I, I love that part. Nice. So everybody talks to talk. Few people walk the walk yeah. and are willing to make the necessary sacrifices to be great. The, to put in an extra hour in the gym or the 15 minutes or whatever it is that you can afford or to stay up an extra two, three hours a night so that you can work towards becoming a better person Mm. in terms of your craft, your skill, or to educate yourself. Yeah, it's very true. You don't earn it. It's, there's no such thing as overnight success. In my opinion, it's, it's, it's years of developed growth and development. I totally agree. And it it does take a lot of things and a lot of, um, you know, um, removing that instant gratification, I think is really key. It goes against our best nature and especially in this generation where everything's so instantaneous, um, and everything seems to be just so, you know, right in there in your hands. But yeah, if you can delay that and you could, you know, you d- dig deep and work. And I want to explain to people as well as like, this is how it works for me. I probably watch, um, on Friday nights I have wine and cheese night with my wife. And that's when I spend some quality time with my wife. We get drunk and eat cheese is awesome. Mm-hmm. And we, that's when we watch like maybe an hour or two of shows. Um, that's usually when I, f- I feed that need. Um, the times that I ever get to binge is probably like, my wife is always on me about this. She's like, man, you complain, you work so much, but you can't even, you know, watch a show or relax. I'm like, well, it's just kind of like, there's so much to be learned. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I got to learn this new thing in Octane or I got to learn Houdini or whatever it might be. There's just so much to be learned. And 
part of me loves that and part of me hates it too. At the same time, it's just part of it. But delaying that gratification is like, okay, instead of watching this show, I'm going to go in here into the studio and spend an hour or this, or I'm going to walk my dog. But instead of just walking him and, you know, like shooting the shit with whatever, I'm going to listen to a book. I will say that there's something really important about allowing your mind and your body to digest information. To I have that break, you know, you can't constantly just be feeding it. We're not designed to just be like that. Yeah. We're, we're supposed to retain and then also um, reinforce it with action. It's important. So a um, few more questions because I know it's getting late here. But um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, um, are you are, are you at where you want to be in life? And if not, what's missing? I am, I think, exactly where I need to be in life right now, mm-hmm. right here. And Feels I like think. It. Like well, I also think that a lot of your uh, your own personal unhappiness is about wanting to be in the past or in the future, mm. and you have to learn to be here in the present. You mm. really do, and to acknowledge and appreciate where you're at, realizing that there's work to be done, and that's totally okay. That's part of the journey in life that you're at. Yeah. So I'm totally okay exactly here. I know that if I look backwards, that I've made a lot of progress and I continue to grow. I'm at the place where I think I ultimately need to be. No, but I am exactly where I need to be. Hmm. I love that. That's great. I would say that's there's a book called um, Be Here Now, I think it is. It's a mm-hmm. Eckhart Tolle's book. Have you mm-hmm. heard of that book? I have. Yeah. Have you read it? No, I have not. I haven't. It's on my bookshelf. You probably have it on your bookshelf too. My wife has it on her bookshelf. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I get the gist of it. Um, but yeah. yeah, I probably should eventually read it. Probably when I'm ready for it, I'll, I'll read it. But um, yeah, it's kind of about that same idea, I imagine, just just living and being that moment. But I, I can I can sense it and feel it from you when I talk to you and when you explain your excitement for things. I can sense that you're you're at where you need to be in this present part of your life, and I think that's really awesome. Um, what makes a good business partner or just partner in general when it comes to making things? What 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 is that? What's a good partner for you? What's what what personality traits and kind of characteristics work best? Shoot. I'll tell you what doesn't make a good business partner is me. <laughs> I'm not a good business partner <laughs> how's, because how's I'm headstrong. Okay. I move fast. I have low tolerance for incompetence. Whoa. I expect uh, as much as uh, as I put out. And so it's really tough. That's my problem. That's exactly right? you describe me in a nutshell. My partners, they are constantly getting pissed at me for those same things because I'm like, hey, I'm running. You got to run with me and we got to run fast. And they're like, I don't want to run. Like, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do you deal with that then? Because do you feel alone? Because oftentimes I feel alone. Problem. That's that's one of my thing too. That's one of my, but at the same time, I feel that in order to really achieve those like Richard Branson level kind of abilities. And sometimes I think maybe I don't even want to do that. And that's why I don't have a business. Like you have a business. You have to have partners that you work with. That's why I, one of my biggest fears is like, turning everybody that I love against me because I'm my own worst person, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But how, I mean, that's so funny. You literally, that's my biggest problem. So how did you, how do you do that? How do you manage to, to do what you do? And, you know, obviously you, you don't have any business partners. I, I don't, I have no business partners. And I'll tell you, I've in the history of the two companies, I've had partners and it, it just actually I've had another company that I had a partner with and it just quickly dematerialized mm. because I, I realized we don't share the same values. Yeah. We make decisions differently and for a long time I would just say, Okay, fine, I trust you, you do your thing, even though I wholeheartedly disagree with every decision you're making. <laughs> but I would be a bad partner if I just got in the way all the time. Yeah. But ultimately you know, I think there are a lot of people who think of themselves as entrepreneurs and I think there are actually few 
that yeah. are what would what Gary Vaynerchuk would say, like a thoroughbred entrepreneur who's willing to risk everything, to go for everything, to make big, bold decisions and to be willing to take the responsibility if it doesn't work out. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people who want to make decisions, but don't want to take any of the responsibility when it doesn't work out. Sure. So instead of making a bold decision, they try to enroll you in exactly what they're saying. So you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So then when things go bad, well, we made this decision together. No, we didn't. I yeah. heard you out. I let you do what you did and you effed it up. <laughs> That's really what it's about. Yeah. But let's talk about tempo. You and I, we're, we're grinders. We work really hard. So we look up and instead of seeing people side by side with us, we see people in the long distance in the horizon. Mm. And after a while, that can wear you down. It doesn't wear me down when they're my employees or they're volunteers because I have different expectations. But when you're my partner and I'm jamming and you're partying and you're drinking and you're doing whatever and I'm working and working and then your cut is the same as mine. Yeah. Your 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 ability to make the decisions at the table is the same as me. I don't have a lot of tolerance for that. And so I know what makes a bad partner is me. <laughs> that's, that's so interesting. I I guess um, you've gotten there by now, but I'm I'm thinking like maybe it's the same thing for me, you know. And like I always feel so alone. And when I was growing up, I was in bands, and I was just. I think I was just the worst because I was so intense, you know, like got to be on practice, got to have this show, got to get this song right, got to do this. And, you know, I just would put stress and strain on my bandmates because they just weren't into it as much as I was, you know, and I think it, I felt bad, you know, like I just felt like, damn, I suck, you know, like I'm just too intense, I guess. And that's really why I'm, I'm alone. And like with I, what I do, I can't run a company. I'm not really into it at this point. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. I was just curious about that. Cause I was wondering how the hell you do that. Cause I know we're kind of similar, but I'm like, how are you doing that? Cause I can't figure that one out. <laughs> you know, so I'm doing my best. It's mm-hmm. just really difficult for me. It's mm-hmm. one of the, my biggest struggles, especially currently. Um, okay. I have a couple more questions. Uh, one of the, one of these ones, a little bit morbid, but at the same time, I think it's kind of interesting. I imagine maybe you think about this. If you do, let me know. Um, you have, uh, 30 days left. That's it. What do you do with your life? What are the, what are the main things that you do? You mentioned that you're, you're here now in the moment you enjoy it. You're, you're in love with what you have that you exist in with life. Um, what do you do with, uh, those 30 days? I don't think I would do things horribly different. Hmm. And I know this is going to sound crazy to people because they're like, well, why would you work? Why would you do the things that you're doing? Because this is what I love. This is who I am. Yeah. Uh, I, I might shift the priority slightly in terms of making sure that I have a couple hours with my family, you know? Yeah. But the thing that I would do is stop doing any of the client work, which we've talked about. (laughs) I I wouldn't worry about what managing anybody else. I'd make sure that there's a clear succession plan for the team because I don't want my absence to ruin their lives. Mm. So we want to make sure that that's all set up. But a lot of that's already been set up and discussed with my family. Mm. And we we do have these quote unquote morbid discussions where if I die tomorrow, here's the game plan. Here's what you need to do. Mm -hmm. You need to make that person a partner. You need to do this and let it run and don't try to save this part that part die this the plan has been laid out it's been very clear mm. the only thing that I'll, I'll, I'll really miss is the the ability to be a part of my children's life and that's the part that would be the toughest for me yeah but i'm already dead so it doesn't matter right sure. i've done everything i can and so the last little bit for me would be you know i've got 50 pages 100 pages of notes and ideas i need to record all that and get that done and that's it then i'm out mm. love it 
It's awesome. You're living really in your spectrum right now, which is great. You just need that troll to battle you, and you're going to sharpen that blade. So I'm going to try and <laughs> find that, that person back. for you. That'll be your Christmas present. I'll try to find the ultimate yeah, troll. Thank you. <laughs> uh, last question is, what's next for you? I mean, you're so prolific. You're all over the place. You're doing all these things. What is next for you? What's what's on the, the horizon for you? What's something that we can uh, the world can expect to see from you in the next 6 to 12 months? Okay. The next six months is really about hitting the goals that we've set out for ourselves to grow our subscribers, to grow our community, and continuing to put out content and iterate and get better. Now, 2008 is going to get really interesting hmm. because we are taking every dollar. Yeah, 2018 is going to be really amazing. And it's because the platform is maturing and now we go into hyper growth mode where I, I'm going to funnel more and more money into the operation, hire more, and just keep scaling this thing out. And hmm. I think... We break into universities. We break into other countries in terms of taking this thing on the road and spreading the the information and sharing with the world. We have so many countries and places we need to go to and, and talk about what it is we're talking about. We want to make it accessible and the platform grows and we become a $100 million company. This is the direction we're heading down. Mm. Awesome. So more content in more platforms and more ways that people want to consume. I'm very attentive to the needs of the people. Some people want it book form. Some people want shorter videos. Some people want the longer videos. And I'm trying my best to prioritize and deliver what it is that people want in the format that they want it. Mm. Now, I'll tell you a little something. Something amazing happened today. And it's a small victory, I think. But mm. a book, no, a, a printing company, a, a, like a, a kind of a big time printing company yeah. reached out to us and said, look, we will print your, your typography manual and we'll give you 300 copies. We'll print your next newsletter and we'll do all that stuff. All we ask for you to do is to document the process. We'll fly you to our printing headquarters and you can talk about it any which way you want. You have hundred percent editorial control. Would Sick. you be willing to do that? Boom. Open door. So, Boom. Look There's at that. An open door. There so it is. when we talked about risking things yeah well what you risk is people learning about who you are and loving who you are yeah so these people have watched our channel and want to do work with us and we're seeing this happen more and more like Maybe. my inbox is starting to get jammed with potential deals and partnerships and collaborations i don't have time to vet them all thank god ben's around so he looks at him it's like this is junk this is good let me follow up on these for you awesome that's so freaking cool. That, isn't that exciting? That's very exciting, dude. And People you're manifesting want, it. You're literally writing the book of destiny right? for yourself. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And people are enrolled in the vision and they want to help. Yeah. That's from awesome. volunteers to, to real manufacturers and the sponsors. It's happening. And I couldn't be more thrilled. And while we're talking here, I forgot to mention two people who are part of the scene. And I don't want them to listen to this podcast and get angry at me later. Yeah, please. So you had asked me who's part of the team. There's a young kid. He's a volunteer. His name is Isaiah Newcore. Okay. He's also helping with annotations on the show. Awesome. So all those people who are like all crazy about like, where are the notes? And the oh, annotations. Yeah, like, show notes, just yeah. chill out. Yeah. Just chill out. Somebody's working on it. But you know, he's got a life too and he's on the East Coast and he might not have seen this yet. So yeah. just relax, guys. We'll get to it. That's good right? though. That's a good problem to have people bitching about wanting more. That's the best problem you could <laughs> chill have. Chill out, guys. Yeah. Like we'll get to it. We we always do, but just relax. Yeah. The other I have is the same problem with the podcast too. Where's my fucking notes? I'm like, okay, right? chill out, people. We get right. to you. This is a free show. I'm doing it on my I free know. time. Like, you want a refund? <laughs> here, he's zero dollars back. Yeah, here you go. And then get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, get back in line. Yeah. So here's the thing. 
there's another group of people who are volunteers, but now they're also paid volunteers. So I like that. I want to try to give back because I'm not trying to suck everybody dry. I want to make it sustainable for everybody. But their team from the Philippines are called Carve. They help me out. And they do they do the cut downs and they do the subtitling that gets posted on Facebook. Sick. There you go. So that's the team. It's not a thousand people, but it's not obviously just one person. It's a nice size, small team. That's what I think it is. Yeah. It's highly efficient. And it sounds like you and I kind of do business similarly and we have a very intense nature. So it sounds like you've worked all the edges and the angles and you're doing your best to attract the right tribe that you can lead and, and, and move forward. So that's awesome. And you keep going and you keep doing what you're doing. Um, the more excuses I get to spend some, get some Chris to do time. <laughs> you want to come bring me on your show and school me and coach me? Let's do it. I'm down. So exploit do me. It. This will be great. I'll be all <laughs> It'll be our prostitute time. It's going to be amazing. I'm down for it. Let's do it. Yeah. It's funny when you, you mentioned the alignment too, because I have the same thing I want. Like get away from the client stuff. I don't care what you want, people. I'm, sire, I'm tired of being an art prostitute. It's been years now. I'm sick of it. <laughs> Uh, I definitely enjoy a really good client challenge, but uh, you know, when you go back to back to back to back, it's just, come on, man, I need a break, you know? So, um, I'm at that stage in my life too. And I'm trying to figure out the best and smartest exit strategy in the way that will work best for my family and my, uh, myself too. So I applaud you. You're figuring it out. And I think it's really great. Um, yeah, I think it's awesome. And you're aligning yourself and writing it. So you're doing it. We're, we're chasing you guys, you know, all you guys that are out there, you, you, with your platform and your content and your following that you've built up over the years. Yeah. It's amazing. I think if you were to leverage some of that, you would be even more successful than you are right now. Yeah. You know, what's funny is, um, I've been getting coached from various friends and, and, um, colleagues and stuff. And, yeah, it's becoming incredibly apparent how bad I am at what I'm doing with and within <laughs> my my you know leveraging my uh, my audience, you know, giving them what they want, but also at the same time allowing me to have what I need too. So um, there's probably going to be a significant change in the near future in regards to just how I interact with everybody and how much I'm yeah. doing out and stuff too, because I'm highly inspired by what you're doing and your team and um, yeah, just like. But I just need to find my little tribe of peeps. Either that or I, I, if I can't beat them, join them. So, you know, so. Yeah, yeah you no. have them. You have them. And, and I know that we're talking like this and, and maybe people are listening like, oh, it don't know what happened. But definitely you, you've been on our podcast. We haven't released it yet. I think people will enjoy that when it comes out. It's just we're a little backed up right now. Yeah. But. Like if you want to come on the show and you want to talk about, hey, man, what what are I getting about social media? Or I like this part that you're doing there. I'm not suggesting that there's anything wrong with what you're doing. You're doing a great job. No, I'm obviously I'm, I'm horrible. Obviously. I have I'm on a, I'm on the scale of a D minus right now. So yeah, <laughs> I need to get that a a plus right there. So. Yeah, there's so much. But even if it's about like how to deal with the trolls or how do I do the hashtag game or whatever it is, if I know it, I'm going to share it with you. If I don't, somebody in our audience will figure it out. Yeah, I'd love to. You let me know if you want me to come on the show and be the the um, the the um, hamster into your science (laughs) lab equipment and stuff. I'm down. So uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much again for coming on the show and sharing your, your awesome light with everybody. You have an amazing night, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And we will see you lovely, amazing people on the next one. I'm sure we'll do a part three someday. So see you guys on the next one. And that concludes this week's episode. Big thank yous to Chris for coming on the show and sharing his time with us this week. 
You can find links to the show notes for this week's episode at thecollectivepodcast.com slash 160, along with links to our Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes podcast page. Have an amazing day, everybody. Be powerful, be prolific. Peace out.